<laughs> um, that was really fast, and uh, and it worked. Okay, we're live. Yay! Um, there's no red dot anywhere. It's like uh, no the red dot. Is what it really is. There's yeah. two. There's the green oh, square down there, yeah. which shows like our signal. Uh-huh. And then, oh god damn it, the chat's not working. And then um, this up here, <laughs> this big red blob where it says end stream so right. that's those are kind of the two cues that you know we're actually we're live it looks okay got it um thankfully you're not a musician with a 12 minute long music video shout out to mike salo by the way apologize <laughs> for the tech difficulties last time um but we shouldn't run into any of those issues so i'm gonna try to keep an eye on it and hopefully we're smooth sailing but uh hope so i'd say cheers but it's bad luck to cheers with water so we can't do that right so I'll, I'll give you one of these. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming down, bud. Sure thing. I call everyone bud, and now your name's bud, so it's going to get weird. I'm going to yeah, say bud a lot. Make it easy. Try it, growing up with that name. I know. It's weird, right? Because yeah. it'd be like me, because I, like, I consciously think about how I text you, Uh because uh-huh. I go, hey, bud. Yeah. But I don't want to do that with you, because that's like every single time someone would text me, it'd be like, oh, yeah, no problem, Jared. Thanks, Jared. You know what I mean? So it's like I try yeah. to like switch it up with you, like, man, bro, I'm mine. All that you know what I'm saying though? Yeah, no, I'm used to it. Uh, but really, growing up in Texas, because my real name is Buddy, that is my legal name. It's it's a Southern thing, not short for something else. No, it is Buddy, and Buddy was a big thing to call people when I was growing up 137 years ago, and so I'd be walking around. It's like all these people are talking about me. Why do they want to talk to me? Who are these people? I don't know. And so probably not a surprise. I'm a bit of a narcissist. Because <laughs> everyone was talking about me. Hey. So when did you move here? We talked <clears throat> briefly uh, before the podcast, and yeah. then we've talked at shows and shit. And uh-huh. um, you're my, technically, you're my photographer. So we, mm-hmm. we've had a lot of conversations. But for people that don't know, yeah. um, when did you move from Texas? Left Texas... Pro- about 20 years ago now. And did you come straight here? No, I uh, had a sojourn in Vermont for three years. Uh, three years? Yeah, three years to the day. What does sojourn mean? So, uh, Just kind of like a wayward journey someplace else. That's what I that thought, may, too. That may or may not be what it means, but I, that's how I'm using it. That's what I thought, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was one of those destiny moves when it's, you know, you're in a relationship and it's like you're sitting there eating breakfast and oh you know it could be mars outside the window and it really doesn't matter so it was time to do something different and move to vermont and then discovered you have to leave the house sometime or else you start talking (laughs) to the furniture right and lived and not even in burlington which burlington is a pretty decent sized town and there's there's a lot to going on there no this was rutland which or the locals called it rut vegas and uh there was nothing (laughs) isn't there two famous people from vermont isn't it joe biden and yeah a girl from oh yeah obviously he's the representative so the girl from parks and rec i think that's right yeah the one with the like the eyes yeah 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 so is it a shithole i mean i know it's really rich it's really nice but is it a shithole like it's too because it seems like people love or hate that part of the country Mm -hmm. because it's exactly what it is and so that's it's either exactly what people are looking for or it will torment your soul is that accurate um, well see and people think that vermont is rich um, it's, and, and there is are, there any poor parts of Vermont? That's the real question. Yeah, I lived in it. Um, 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. Man. No, there are parts. There's Dorset. There's Manchester. They, these are the the second multi-million dollar homes for the people that live in the city. You know, like New York, and and they come up right. for the summer, um, and they summer in Dorset in their two million dollar you know vacation home. Uh, because they get bored with the Hamptons, I guess. Um, and that's where you were, was in Dorset? Uh, no, I wish. Uh, oh, okay. Because you no, said you I, weren't in Burlington. No, I was in a town called Rutland. Oh, you did say that, Mike. Yeah, Rutland. I'm not even drunk yet, guys. Yeah, it's like, I said that. I know I did. Uh, Classic, Jerry. Yeah, it's okay. So I worked at a uh, worked at a facility there, and the one good thing about living in Vermont, living in Rutland, I was 15 minutes door-to-door to the ski slopes, and I learned how to ski in Rutland. Uh, so next to Killington, which is a great big ski area up there. Wow. And that was pretty sweet, that it's, I'm going to ditch out of work early. I could have my gear in the car and be on the slopes, actually within usually 10 minutes, because there was the ski area where all the locals went. Uh, and half the time I would just go there. So, and there was nothing else to do, so I spent money on ski lessons and learned how to ski. So that was fun. But after a while, it, it was time to do something different, and the job was not to my liking. Uh, so I started looking at other places and Minneapolis, because I guess Vermont wasn't cold enough, and thought, <laughs> let, let's, let's move someplace colder. Different kind of cold, right? Uh, it does get cold there. Yeah. A different kind of cold, oh, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you guys have ice storms out there and fucking... It's it's actually better because you have all the mountains that kind of shield you a bit from the oh, blue no northers. I mean, here, you don't have any of that. I have never been that far north. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and I think that's true for most Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you travel east, I think the most far north any of us ever go is, like, New York or Boston. Right, right. You know, even by the time you get into, like... Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania or uh, uh, Philly, those are so far west. Yeah, it's not even in the same region as a Vermont or a fucking Maine or yeah. New Hampshire. That's way up there. Yeah, and it's a very um, it's a very insular kind of place. Uh, you've seen Northern Exposure, where people are very they're very much leave things to you know they leave other people alone. But the downside of that is that to get into any kind of social settings. Uh, it helps to have kids, which I don't have kids. Um, but otherwise, you don't really get to know people there. Yeah. So it was time for something different and moved here about 15 years ago. What, what brought you to Minneapolis? <sighs> I had, as opposed to going to Vermont, besides vermont was kind of yeah oh, that so, looks yeah pretty. sort of Let's yeah go like there, exactly right? so like what was the contrast the allure that brought you i had to the midwest especially had, this time yeah because not chicago not st louis not right. detroit not milwaukee right i'm always right. curious about this being from here like why the fuck here yeah um i had this great big list uh i wanted a town that had an international airport i really missed that because rutland you had one flight a day it went to boston to Logan, and that's where you had to go if you were going anywhere else. Um, and it needed to have a thriving arts scene, which Rutland did not have. Um, I didn't want it to be too hot. I didn't want to go back to a Texas kind of environment, which was part of the reason I left. You know, living in Houston, it's hot and muggy and 
and it was just kind of miserable. So it was all of this. And then, of course, there were places that had jobs. So, you know, that was important, too. Uh, Chicago's a little bit too big of a town. Uh, I'm not exactly fond of Chicago. I'll go there. Uh, you know, if I have, if, if people want to hire me for a job in Chicago, please, I will, I will come there, but it's not necessarily my favorite big city. Uh, and Minneapolis just, they had the right position and the prices were right for housing and all of it just, everything fell into place. So this was still in a day where photography may, and, and I want to get into this, but it yeah. sounds like this was in a period of your life where Photography may have been a part of it, but it wasn't a driving factor. Correct. There was still a huge influence of like the actual day job thing. Right, right, right. So when did you start getting into photography? Were you already into something like that or, or mm -hmm. a hobby version of it all the way back to Texas? Or did it develop oh, in Vermont? Early, early. Um, I was thinking about that because, you know, you think about what questions are you going to get asked here. Uh, my first Usually camera, they're never what you guys prepare for. <laughs> uh, well, that too. Uh, but figured, you know, this might be a, a, a good one. I, my first camera, and I remember being so proud of it, was uh, one of those little bitty ones that had the light bars that you would stick on top of it. So it was a, a 110 size film which is shitty film, by the way, just absolutely. I've gone back and scanned some of the negatives and they're practically unusable. Isn't that 110? So isn't that like what those old, old uh, disposable Kodak cameras used? Uh, that may have been. I think, right? Where yeah. it was like you'd get it in a, in a film canister. Yeah. Uh, they were, yeah, they were in a little, there was 110 and 124, which is the next step up. And these were really slim cartridges, only only about like that, that you would slide in the back of the camera. 24 exposure, usually. And I have pictures from from back then. Uh, one of my first notable pictures, and you know, they're, they're pictures taken by a seven-year-old, so I can't claim that they're high art or anything like that, but it, it was from there. Uh, when and, did you get serious yeah. about it? Like, when did you decide you didn't just like doing it, but you wanted to get good at it? That probably, that's been a gradual journey um, because, you know, I would go on trips and I was one of the early adopters of uh, the digital cameras. You know, I think my first one was a, a Kodak 2 megapixel, which is so laughable these days, you know, what the phone here has know, right? five times the quality. Um, but I, I took some pretty good pictures and I started really paying attention to design and line. And I think I've made that comment on my website, www.bilphoto.com. Um, link in the description. Link in the description. Click below. Click uh, below, er, bitches. Click below. There we go. Uh, <laughs> so Do um, it, bitch. Yeah. Sorry. So I started looking at how, how, do I, uh, how do I work with this? How do I get good pictures? And so it, it kind of started from there. And funny for the- So for you didn't the, go to school. No. No school for photography. It's all self-taught. Um, so w before yeah. the internet, mm -hmm. where because now it's easy, right? Now any kid who wants to become an expert at anything, you just fucking YouTube it. Like Pretty literally, much. I'm yeah. I'm 
it's to the point where I have zero tolerance for people not being able to figure things out. Cause I'm like, <laughs> or, you know, like yeah. weird Facebook posts, like, Hey, does anybody know? And I'm like, dude, fucking YouTube it. Right. Let like literally you could just you. do this yourself. Like, yeah. and I'm not mocking anybody. I, I, I do. I have a problem with this. I get passionate and then I sound like I'm condescending and, and talking down <laughs> to people. I'm not, but like just the other day I seen somebody like, does anybody know who can do like small patch sheetrock work, right. you know, for affordable, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, dude, if it's anything less than a full sheet of sheetrock, just yeah. fucking YouTube it and do it yourself. Like it's so easy and so cheap. Mm-hmm. This isn't; these aren't skills you need to hire out for. Right. My point is, is like y- you can get way more complex from working on a car mm-hmm. all the way to learning entire an entire art from Photoshop to uh, DaVinci Resolve to Unreal Engine. Yep. Um, Lighting techniques where where our worlds collide, right? Yep. So like lighting, angles, mm-hmm. uh, line of sight, um, framing, all of that kind of shit, right? Right. You can become an expert. How just through you? How the fuck do you do that? Back in the day, not going to school and not having a YouTube at your fucking fingertips. Is it literally <sighs> you take finding other photographers? <laughs> no, you. And, yeah, and, I, you and quizzing them and yeah, interrogating you, them? You certainly can. Um, but what I did is I took a bunch of shitty photos. Uh, but I would remember that, okay, I took this photo and I really liked it, and this is what I remember. Um, I got, and, and I can see trends in my photography over the years, and still, I mean, it's still happening. It's an evolving art for me. Uh, where I was very focused on wanting symmetry. So none of the Dutch tilt, none of that kind of stuff that you see, which I use pretty freely now, but it's that's what I wanted it to be. For the longest time, I didn't take pictures of people at all. Uh, my focus Nature. in... No, uh, architecture. Really? Yeah, I was much more for art and architecture, which kind of explains where I get the design and line thing. Um Eh, some pictures of nature, but many more of my pictures, like when I was in Turkey, they're all of the buildings uh, Interesting. and very few of the people. I know a couple buddies who are not professional photographers, but yeah. have a, uh, two, I, uh, I feel comfortable naming them. I'm complimenting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Chilton and Jeremy Blake. Uh-huh. Neither one of these guys are actual professional photographers. Same right. thing. They didn't go to school for it. Yep. Um, it definitely started as a hobby, but from day one- you could see a natural talent, mm-hmm. a natural eye for it. Right. Um, and I think if I remember correctly, I may be wrong about Greg. Um, but I know for a fact, Jeremy started off. It was like, see a cool flower and he'd figure out a way to frame it up. And then this was my follow up question. So you started concentrating on the actual technique of what you're doing with your camera exposure lighting angles lines all that kind of shit right that's the real art but then there's the other side of photography and the only reason i can even talk about this with any semblance of anything beyond idiocy is because i was forced to take an entire photography class Uh and my aunt was an obsessive hobby photographer so i've gone through the whole process i understand it all and immediately two weeks into this class in art school, I was like, yeah, ever going to be <laughs> like the amount of, the amount of artistic detail and care and your ability to like see the shot, but then know how you have to expose it to know how you have to set up the shot to know how you're going to take that actual picture. Yep. 
I was like, yeah, I don't have time for this. Yeah. And it wasn't out of disrespect. It was like, no, this is an art form that if you even want to be remotely good at, takes great effort. And I don't have that kind of time. There's other shit I need to get good at. But I was forced to take that class as part of my thing. Sure, sure. Um, What were the next... What was the next evolution where when you realized it wasn't just about the actual physical camera, it wasn't just about the lighting, it wasn't just about knowing to frame that, when did it hit you that there is that second stage that I was just referring to, Mm -hmm. which is like before computers and post effects and fucking, you know, because that's that's what I'm getting at is now a guy can take a photo on his phone. Run it through a program on his phone, uh-huh. change the coloring, change the shading, do all these amazing things that used to take you guys hours of literally mental prep, not even setting shit up physically with equipment or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. It was like, does that make, do you understand yeah, my question? No, I, get it. I, get I don't it. even know enough about this industry to know if I'm asking a question in a way that makes sense. So that's yeah, why no, I get wordy does. when I do these things. Yeah. So when did that hit you where there's like a second level to the art form beyond the clicking of the camera? That probably started about three to four years ago. And oh shit. Yeah. So, so way so many, before, yeah. or I'm sorry, way after uh-huh. digital effects were a thing then. Right. So many of the pictures that I took, because once again, I was focusing more uh, you know, I was using basic digital cameras. I could do Photoshop stuff at a very, very basic level because Photoshop is a white hot pain in the ass and it still is to this day. I'm much better at it, but it's still it's still difficult. But I would um, I could do basic cropping and it'd be, you know, be kind of done. Uh, but then I started figuring out more and more what I could do. Um but most of the shots that happened, I framed them up myself. So I didn't have Photoshop really to rely on. It's, I'm going to take this picture and that is going to be the image that I get. So I did everything in camera uh, because I had to, uh, because I didn't have the knowledge of how all the post-processing worked. Now I do. And that's why you get the shots that you get from me now. Well, let me ask you this then. Do yeah. you think newer, younger photographers that aren't forced that lack of technological mm-hmm. burden on themselves. That's a really, they have, they don't have the burden thrust upon them. Right. That is the lack of technology, mm-hmm. meaning they have all the tech from day one. They've mm-hmm. got a fucking thousand dollar camera. Cause that's where, that's where all our money goes in these phones, by the way. Sure. Like literally the reason your iPhone's a thousand dollars is because of the fucking cameras. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's literally it. Like, the rest of the phone is cheap as shit. You could buy that phone for $100 until they slap these fucking cameras in there, and now right. it's a $1,000 phone. Yeah. Quite literally. Yeah. Like, you have the one where it's like, there's three cameras on the back, plus yep. that badass one on the front. Each one of those are 250 That's mm-hmm. why your phone's 1000 bucks. That whole, that whole thing could be free. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. but um, they have these cameras. They have the programs on those same phones. They have Photoshop. They have YouTube to tell them how to Photoshop. So you can take a shit photo, uh-huh. and through filters and all this other shit... Do you think that's yeah. hurting them as potential great artists because they don't have to, for example, we no. talk about this in the music industry a lot, right? So like kids that have auto-tune and mm-hmm. they can uh, record digitally so they can literally just go, oh, I fucked up that riff. I'm going to punch in, fix that riff, and then punch back out and you never know I did two takes. Yeah, Whereas that's, that's standard. in the 50s yeah. and 60s and even 70s into the 80s, you had to record albums basically almost live right? in one take all the way through. 
Um, if not, you had a guy cutting tape and putting it together to, to make edits and put things back together. And mm -hmm. you wanted to avoid that because that costed money. And that made musicians better. Right. Now, I get it. There's a lot more ripping guitar players now than there ever has been. Mm -hmm. But not all these motherfuckers have that seasoning we were talking about before the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. And you can smell the green on them. Because I'm like, I can tell you ha you lack hours on stage and on tour and truly right. jamming with other musicians. Do you think that's a thing in the photography industry as well? Where these kids, yeah, they might be great and elite at one thing, but they lack that full breadth of of talent to really bring it to the next level? Or do you think I'm just kind of like making a bigger deal out of it than it may be? I think it may be you're making a bigger deal out of it. Because um, I, I just, I'm curious yeah. about this idea of like a crutch that can help you heal mm -hmm. versus a crutch that can prevent you from healing fully. Right. If, if we're talking in terms of like an injury metaphor. I, what I could see them as is, as, and this is just a, you know, a hypothesis, uh, kind of a, it, it's a, a learning tool. So if you take a shitty photo, but then you get into it and you pop it into Lightroom, uh, which I use all the time, and then you go, well, this photo, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. It's really framed wrong. Um, but I can go in and I can crop it. And let's say the drummer is really doing something cool. And if I have good enough camera equipment, uh, iPhone's probably not going to be it. Uh, but if I have good enough, I can get in there, get a good image, and there's my shot. Now, even great professional photographers still do that. But I think it's a training tool it, because it trains the eye that that's the shot I should have gotten. So next time I'm out shooting a concert, I know... Look, look away from the riffraff, and here's the shot. So now I sense. still, even to this day, um, I leave myself a fair amount of space around what I'm shooting because I've made that mistake of cropping it in too tight in camera, and then it's, oh, I want to change. I don't want it to be a one-to-one. -one. I want it to be an 8 by 10 and I can't do it very well. So I leave space so I can go in and I can manipulate the Almost props Almost like you're shooting film. Yeah, that's yeah. how they do that in movies. Quite yeah. literally, is right. they shoot a much wider angle, yeah. much wider angle than what you end up seeing on your TV screen. Yeah, and yeah. it's for that exact same reason. If they want to switch this shot, they have more to play with here. They can literally move the actor from the left side of your TV screen yep. to the right side of your TV screen, kind of mm -hmm. like I do in OBS, like this. When I'm like literally, move, but now the uh -huh. viewers are going to see a big black box on the left-hand side, right? Right. So if if we're shooting a much wider angle to begin with, that I can do that, no problem. That's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. Am I yeah. am I hearing you right? Exactly. Um, that that makes sense to me. Yeah, and, and you get to learn things. Interesting. Some people learn it from a book, and or from a YouTube video. And other people learn it because, well, this is how the photograph looks good. And then you discover, oh, by the way, they call that rule of thirds. You know, like, you don't just center everybody if you're taking... That's how we're doing it now, just in case anybody's right. confused. Um, I'm not properly centered on the outside third. I'm way too close to center in the frame of my shot right now. But as soon as Bud speaks, go ahead. Right, yep. See, like, I I am actually uh, done well on the left side of, for the rule of Especially third. when you are talking and you look at me. Yeah. 
then it really shows on the camera. It's a little different when we turn and face the camera. It doesn't look as good because you get like the reflection on the goggles and or the the glasses and stuff like that. But right, yeah, right. In case anyone's confused, because I don't want to like talk above anybody's. I don't want to bore people to death. But this, I, I find this fascinating because huh. guys like you make guys like me look good. That's my job. Right? And and I don't think people understand it's not a small part of the entertainment industry. It's a crucial part of the entertainment right. industry. It's like a it's like a linchpin. You know what I mean? It's uh-huh. it's it's quite it's quite like a freight train. That one pin holds all of that weight, and that's all you got to. It's not really one pin, but it's it's a coupler, right? Right. That's kind of what you are. Is like if you got rid of photographers. We don't look as cool on stage. And I was telling you this before the podcast. I think in many ways what you do, the service you provide, especially a good photographer um, who understands how to, in your phrase, catch the badassery or capture the badassery, however you want to say it, um, it's almost more beneficial than than a video. Because when I see a video, you have the potential for me to hear something that sounds like shit because of the audio recording, if it's a cell phone. You have the potential for me to just not like your sound off the bat, but a picture, especially if it's well done and it's a charismatic, easy to shoot performer, yes, can really intrigue people and it can make you, I mean, think about it, that famous picture of Jim Morrison. Uh-huh. Yep. Like the way that photo shoot was done from everything I've read, that is one of the most accurate scenes in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a split second that he turned around and did that, and they caught the picture. Yep, you would never. Here's the point: is you'll never recreate that photo if you try. Right, and that's kind of what you do. And yep. those things elevate us and other performers and artists and make us look a lot cooler. Mm-hmm. And that is crucial, like right. a linchpin right. to helping us build that 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 esteem that prestige yeah, that that yeah. image that all of that right um and a great photographer i think is kind of like a producer too right so like dude take that fucking jacket off you look like an <laughs> asshole yeah like hey unbutton the top thing dude what are you doing oh my god no you know what come back tomorrow get a new wardrobe like mm-hmm. unless you unless you have clothes there you know depending on the level you're at like yeah, I've, yeah. I've been at those photo shows too luckily i wasn't in them but i was there and they are torturous <laughs> i feel bad for those guys um. Yeah, I I don't think it should be underestimated what you bring to the scene and the industry in general. Like, I don't think this industry would be as cool without pictures and great pictures and iconic pictures. And I think I think you have had the ability to do some pretty big bands, but more importantly, it's those little guys, right? You know, it's those little guys who get like a really great photo that they can actually take pride in putting on their Instagram because it doesn't make them look like a local band. Right. Because you just fucking found that perfect angle, you know, mm-hmm. and then a little Photoshop shit in there. And th- oh, those man. those are the the sh- the money shots, basically. Uh, not not that kind of money. Yeah, shots. I was just going to say, shots. bro. Like there, yeah, yeah, not that <laughs> disclaimer. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's when I see those. It's like that's that's the picture. Uh, the and are picture. you rapid firing pictures to yes. capture those moments? Oh, yeah. It's spray and pray. So, and part of it is because I, I'm I'm a perfectionist that way. Is that if I see uh, Joe De Roche, who is the lead singer from Revenant Soul, 
Shout out to Yosef Derocher. Yes. So <laughs> Yosepi? Or maybe Derocher. I must. I don't know, but it's Rocher. Uh, we're going to go with it's, that. No, it is French. It's, it is it's technically Derocher. Derocher. But uh, no, we uh, we say he says Derocher because it's Derocher. America. Uh, okay. Fucking America. Derocher, uh, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> so if I catch him, and of course he hits these big operatic notes, and... So he will grab the mic and he'll be, you know, yelling into the mic. Well, all the time there's all these micro movements in his face. His eyes are closed. Maybe you get a little bit of a neck bulge. You get all of this stuff occurring. And what I want to do, so I'll go, and I'm taking 10 frames a second. So I'm capturing, say for doing video, I'm capturing about as much as you're going to capture. And I out of 30 shots of that, then I will look through and I will go, that is the picture where his eyes are closed just the right amount, his mouth is open the widest. Uh, so that's what I look for, is where am I going to get the moment of ecstasy out of those 30 shots? That's what I want to capture. And there's one that he put up, he uses it as his Facebook photo that I'm very, very proud of and I'm very honored that he uses it as his Facebook photo because it's a fucking awesome shot. All my photos are yeah. your photos. Every yeah, single, yeah. everything from my website to all my social medias, it's all the photos that yeah. I took with you. And I think you gave me like 24. Yeah, I asked, for, I asked right. for eight. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I need eight. And you were like, here's 24 to pick from. And I found yeah. four. And that's what I was really hoping for. Yeah, I, I asked yeah. for eight, hoping to get four I could really use. Right. And you gave me 24, and I ended up finding four or six. Mm -hmm. But then really, I think I'm only using like three. Right. But no, they're fucking great, dude. And yeah. it was easy, too, because I told you exactly what I wanted. Uh -huh. And you were like, oh, yeah, we can do that. That's yep. easy. Yep. Every fucking guy I met with for you, dude, I'd be like, here's what I want. And they'd be like, oh, well, here's what I'm doing right now. Here's what I'm into. Right. I'm like, I don't fucking care. No. That's not what I want to pay you to do. Right. You know, oh, I'm experimenting with all this shit. I'm like, I don't fucking care, bro. Yeah. Like, I literally <laughs> am trying to capture an image. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, go to, that's like going to a fuck. you're in a metal band, you go to a music producer, and he's like, oh, yeah, let me show you all this fucking uh, trance music and fucking hip hop I'm doing. And you're like, yeah, I don't care about don't that. Care. Show me the shit that is applicable. Right. <laughs> and, and see, yeah, because I don't. Uh, I, I tend to work best. Shout out to JD's in the chat. JD hey, rock JD. and roll. That's Joe yeah. jo de Rocher. Oh, you son <laughs> of a beast. Oh, you piece of shit. Oh. You piece of cheat. Oh. I love that guy. He knows Absolutely. I'm just fucking with him. Absolutely. So I, I tend to work best if you have an image for what you want. And even better if we I had can... how many photos did I have? Three. I brought you three photos. Yeah. And I was like, I want something like this. And you were like, got it. Got it. Yeah. And and trust me, you weren't picky at all. There was one one person that I worked with. He really wanted a very, very exacting image. Well, I wanted to trust your expertise, man. Yeah. And I told you that over and over again. I go, you're the photographer. Yeah. I'm giving you these shitty three stock photos. Uh-huh. Because I know I won't be pissed off if you literally <laughs> just recreate these three. Sure. But you're, it's kind of like when I go get my hair cut. It's like, don't fucking ask me what I want. You're the fucking expert. Look at my goofy uh -huh. face. You know what I mean? Look at my giant teeth and tell me what my head should look like. Right. That's, that's why I said it's kind of like a producer, yeah. you know, and you were able to do that. You're like, eh, I'm not really liking that one. And I'd mm -hmm. be like, oh, really? 
and you'd show me and I'd go, no, you're totally right. Yeah. Like, and it, when it, even when I would say, really, it wasn't even a matter of me questioning you. It was me almost being surprised. Right. Like, oh, really? Like, you're clearly seeing something I didn't perceive. Yeah. Right. And then you'd show me and I'd be like, oh, wow, yeah, though, that's terrible. And like, you, you, like, you made me just uncomfortable enough to where I was willing to try a couple other things. Like, we tried some shit with the hats on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't use fucking any of those because after looking at it, I was like, I look like an asshole. But you made me comfortable enough to trust you to do those things in the first place without making me feel so uncomfortable that the rest of the photos didn't work either. It was great, man. The whole thing worked out great. And I couldn't couldn't have asked for for an easier photographer to work with. And and that was my point is I wanted to trust your expertise and I wanted to be easy to work with too. Mm Because, yeah, yeah. obviously we're not going to drop his name, but... I, yeah. I I have a feeling I know some version of what you're about to say, and I really want to hear this, and I just didn't want to be that guy. So sure, no. You um, wanted a specific Very, look. very exacting look, and um, it took a bit. Was he able to even pull this off? Like, uh, that's yeah. the key. It's like, okay, I get it. it. Actually, you want that look, but. It actually did work. Um, it took uh, It took quite a bit of work to generate really the one image. And it was the image that he was comfortable with. How it, many photos did it take to get there? Oh, it took a couple, couple, three shoots. Probably several. It was several hundred he easily. Fucking knew it. I was going to say two hundred and fifty. Yeah, several hundred. Yeah. <laughs> below the noise. Uh huh. I was no, really, no. Oh. Seriously, I was below the noise gate. All that whispering, they couldn't hear anything. Don't worry, guys. I called him a cocksucker. <laughs> no, not he, Bud. I'm calling yeah. this guy. We're talking about a cocksucker. He, he I'm was, such an ass. And no, I'm not very, even buzzed yet. Yeah. He was very exacting as to what he wanted, and part of it is also picking out what features work and what features don't. Uh, there are some images that you know I really want this to happen. It's like okay, you know, this may not accentuate the features that you don't like. So. But I, as I, <laughs> I say in pretty much every photo shoot, a lot of things can be fixed in post. You know, you talked about your, you know, your noodly arms, uh, and we talked about this. I can. I fix do have noodle arms, unless I'm flexing because I'm fucking built different. <laughs> I'm just and <laughs> and I can fix that to a certain extent. Um, just not in video. <laughs> not in video. I can do it in stills. That's what um, you told me before the podcast. You're yeah. like, I'll fix those noodle arms in stills. Yeah, I can <laughs> do it in stills. Make me look like Rick and Morty level of jacked. <laughs> uh, I can do that too. Uh, one one picture that I took, um, I, I shot uh, Castor Valor. This was, I think, a year and a half ago, something like that. In the Great bef- band name. Yes. Weird fucking guys. Met them at that, <laughs> met them at that Uncle Daddy Stormbreaker show. Nice guys. Uh, fucking goofballs. Like, not goofy in, in like... Way too serious. Yeah. Way too fucking serious. I was like fucking with oh. them, trying to get them to smile and have some fun. Uh-huh. Dude, and they are like the most, they take themselves way too seriously. They got to loosen up, man. They're, uh, I'm, they want They want to come them. on the podcast, and I told them, you can come on the podcast, but if you fucking are this fucking no, stiff and dry, they're they're I'm not. like, that's just going to be weird, bro. I was that, like, I'm going to have yeah. to get you boys fucking wasted. <laughs> well, that would probably help. Um, but I did... Uh, I had a short stint doing interviews. They're gorgeous, by the way. Well, that there's they're that all too. very like the one dude walked in and I just went, "That dude better be in a band if he looks yeah. like that." And you don't play guitar, you're that's just prob- an asshole. That's probably Steve. I think so. Yeah, yeah the long, short. He's shorter, kind of. Oh no, that's Alexander. Uh, kind of jacked. Yeah, that's Alexander. 
uh, the taller one with the long, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous hair. They both do. Uh, that's that's Pollux. We sound like we want to just suck these dudes up so hard right now. <laughs> well, you know, to hear them talk, it sounds like they probably <laughs> we'd have to get get a number and get in line. Just slob that dick. <laughs> but I did. Um, so Alexander, Alexander, because they built all of the stuff that's on stage. It's amazing. And Alexander even has the cod piece with the microphone holder. Like in the cod piece, right? So here cod I am. Cod piece? Why? Why? Because it's it's metal, dude. No, I'm like, why? Yeah. Am, why don't I know what that is? Cod piece. That's uh, think of a, a athletic cup, but put it on the outside. So it's decorative. Um, so he has it, and it basically holds his microphone right where his dick would be, essentially. So and, it's, he just plays with like the top half of the mic stand and just puts it in the fucking he just thing. Slides it there, yeah. And it just like stays at his face level. Well, no, no, this. Uh, if he could, well, if he's that flexible, that's pretty cool. Uh, that I don't know. But no, the microphone is at his crotch, and he'll just like put it there uh, while he's doing other things. Oh, it's like yeah. a wireless mic. Yeah, yeah. And he sets it in there. I'm thinking yeah. he's playing with like the top half of the mic stand, right? So he's got like half of a mic stand. Well, that would be a cool idea too. <laughs> and then it'd probably be. Out and then too instead far. of trying to dance with it while it's on the ground, yeah, you know, the Steven Tyler style, okay. you know, you just you just drop that other end. Yeah. Because I'm thinking like a fishing rig, you know, where the, right. the fucking the end of your pole goes into that crotch strap. Yep. So it doesn't. Okay. That's Al- what I was thinking, Alexander, right? Alexander, Alexander, here's an idea for you. So there you go. Yeah. And then um, you, so you basically bottom it out so you can just huh? drop it in there. Yep. And then you're dancing with the same mic stand, yeah. but it's attached to your crotch. Uh-huh. So it's at a more equitable <laughs> pivot point instead of uh-huh. way out here and you're fucking around with it on stage. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah, and I think to, his idea is better though. Just yeah. a wireless mic, and then he just puts it in there and walks around with it, just yeah, like yeah. And then I hope he does the fucking hip thrusts while he's on stage. If he, he knows he what's does, good for him, he does a lot. So I took <laughs> it, and this was um, uh, there's an effect in Photoshop, Photoshop called liquify, and this is the way that you can make things bigger or smaller. And so here he is, he's standing there, leg up, cod pieces right there, and so I take the liquify and it's like let's balloon that out a bit. <laughs> so he's got this enormous cod piece <laughs> and i said it to him i mean i you know shots like that are not stuff that i would you know tend to display but i will share it with the artist uh and i thought it was pretty funny yeah yeah no they're great guys they are going to be at Rockfest, by the way they're doing two right. three sets at Rockfest on i want to say it's sat no it's friday yeah yeah that was interesting i seen them on the lineup for that Yep, yep. Are, so are they a cover band? No, they are not a cover band. So they're doing three original sets. Yep. Yeah. That's fucking mine. Yeah. So oh. looking forward to it. I'm, I'm going to be... So if you're there, dude behind the lens, I will be there uh, shooting two of the three sets. I'm still hoping and praying I get my press pass last minute. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to get it, but... I know you just got yours. Uh, yeah, but I mine occurs differently because the bands contact their people and they get me the press pass. Hey, did you hear that, guys? Whoever's playing Rockfest, you gotta you gotta do a little. Hey, I'm. Uh, yeah, uh, it's yeah. I don't I don't think it requires that much. Um, but you just you contact your person and they get you the stuff. You have to use one of your tickets, I guess. People get comps, and then. You just get a photo pass. So, and then it looks like I'm going to be doing some filming 
uh, some video work for Austin Schersberg. I don't know also. if it's worth it for anybody to burn a comp on me, though. Because, yeah. like, you're a photographer, right? So somebody for somebody it's worth it to right. burn that comp to get you there, or several bands even, yeah. to get the, those photos. But for me, all I'm going to do is fucking talk shit on a podcast. It'll be good <laughs> shit, but, you know, like... It's definitely worth it for Rockfest to have me there, but I don't know that it would be worth a band. Sure. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. Then you get to be doing all that licking and that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be fun. And yeah, doing, um, because Austin, who does phenomenal video work, Austin Schersberg, uh, he's going to be there and he's going to be shooting video for several bands. And he's asked if I would run one of the cameras for video work. I don't do video editing, but I can I can hold a camera and shoot video, you know, just straight video. Like, you know, it's it's not that difficult. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So he asked me, and I'm like, sure, I'm gonna be there as long as it doesn't interfere with my paid for gigs. Sure, Correct. I'm yep. I'm there. Yeah. The win between. You're hobbying as yeah. a child in Texas to your journey to Vermont yeah. all the way to Minneapolis. Yeah. When did, I already asked when it went from being like a fun hobby to you want to get good at this and start taking it seriously. Oh, and I, I didn't finish that story, yeah. Yeah, so let's finish, get back to that. that story. Let's get back to that. Sure. Because I have a follow-up question okay. too. Uh, that probably, well, I can tell you, yeah, happened in two degrees basically. When I bought a very expensive point-and-shoot Sony RX100V, a uh, good camera. For the layman that don't understand tech or camera stuff, what the fuck does this stuff mean? Okay. a point. Uh, the RX100V, that's just the model name of the camera. Uh, and like point-and-shoot. Point-and-shoot. That means it's an all-in-one camera. So the lenses don't come off. The lens that is on it is the lens that you get. Um, and some of them are really good. Uh, particularly if the lighting is good. I have shots on my website, www.bilphoto.com, link in the downstairs. Uh, <laughs> so there are shots that I took with that camera from the front row, so basically just there as a fan, and um, you really can't tell because the lighting is so good and I'm close enough to the performers uh, for it to happen. My shots of Ghost don't, don't judge the band ghost <clears throat> the band ghost don't judge um but that's uh that's a good example of what that camera can do uh and it's pretty pretty phenomenal but it has its limits because i can't change out the lens they don't tend to have as much light sensitivity which if you're shooting in a in a low light bar you need that and the trick that convinced me to go to pro gear uh, I still have that little camera, and I'll, I'll take it if I do uh, if I go see a show as a fan, like a big show. Uh, I did a photo shoot for all four inches. Shout out to all four inches. So great, great, great band name. Yeah, I've never heard of this band until you just said it. Now, yep, all four inches. All four inches. Yes, is an elite level band name. <laughs> like immediately in. Goat discussion. Yeah. Greatest yeah. of all time, Goat. Uh -huh. Yep. Immediately in that discussion, and the amount of albums you've sold is irrelevant. Right. Oh, my God. That's the greatest. <laughs> all right. 
So shout quick, out to all four inches. All four inches. I don't give a fuck what your band is. If you guys suck, I still want you to come on. We just won't play your music. But that <laughs> band name is so fucking elite. I want to know and get to know and have a deep conversation with whatever fuck boy came up with that goddamn name because that is hilarious. <laughs> All four inches. And I think that was Carl. Not to derail you, but sure. that deserved it. Whoever came up with that band name deserves all fucking 30 to 45 seconds I just gave them for all them fucking props. And open invite if you want to come on the podcast. All four inches. Holy shit. Great band name. Elite. And I, and I think that was probably Carl, their bassist, uh, that came up with that. Of course his fucking name is Carl. Carl. <laughs> Carl, Carl, Carl Kent. <laughs> what, a, yes. what a fuck boy. I love it. That's yep, the greatest yep. band name of all time. Yeah. So, but what happened is I brought the little Sony because it is a pretty decent camera and I used it. And the pictures were fairly decent. Once again, it's the Amsterdam lighting's good, but not great. And I saw pictures that someone else took with a professional rig uh, from the same concert. And they were noticeably better. And so it was kind of that decision point. It's like, okay. Okay, so let me ask you this. So in that moment, I see three potentials mm-hmm. right and and it could be a combination of any of these three so one potential mm-hmm. is like you had literally maxed out your abilities on this camera but you didn't know you had maxed out your abilities like you had all the talent in the world you did all the right things angles lighting you know lines all that shit but the camera was now limiting you kind of like when i started on electric drums right like i had kind of reached a peak on that electric kit and in order for me to get better i needed to get on an acoustic set and now that I'm better on an acoustic set. Now I could go back to an electric kit and get better again, realizing the limitations of that kit. Yep. But I wasn't able to understand what I couldn't do until I got on a different instrument, a real drum set. That's one potential I see. The second one is maybe you talked to this guy and got to know this guy and like collaborated mentally with this guy or creatively and then realized he actually ain't even that good, but his gear is so dope that he's somehow able to get better shit than you or the third possibility is you literally just saw what he was doing and was so jealous by the capabilities of what he provided that you just immediately ditched everything you were doing and upgraded to gear it could be a combination of all of those Mm but mostly one some three got it see that's why i asked that's why i asked these fucking elaborate questions because it's a mindset thing right yeah and that's what I'm most interested in is it's more than just the story. It's the mindset behind it. Because yeah. I think it's really wise your the journey you took, whether it was on purpose or accidental, it doesn't really matter. It's it's I believe in that struggle. I believe in that idea of starting off on shitty gear. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It just, I don't know, man. It it doesn't seem to matter yeah. what Although art I took form. off from there. <laughs> that's the next part of the story. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. But yeah, I just yeah. wanted to say like before you go on real quick, I don't think it even matters what art form we're arguing about, right? So whether it's podcasting or game streaming, shout out to Joey Moy, by the way, um, or photography or videography or cinematography or being in a fucking band as a musician yep. or being a comic, like to start off with legitimate limitations, physical, mental, emotional and use it like you're training in cement boots. Mm-hmm. Yep. When you upgrade to better gear, you already have that physical, mental, and emotional strength 
to be a marathon runner or a great sprinter in this metaphor. So once you take those fucking cement boots off, now you can fucking run. And that's why still to this day, almost every single riff I've ever written starts on that piece of shit, $200 Yamaha acoustic guitar. Uh And that includes the metal. That includes the real riffage. Mm -hmm. Because if it sounds good there, it's going to sound elite when I throw some distortion on it. Sure. That's my... See what I'm getting yeah, at here? Yeah, no, absolutely. I and think that's yeah. true in all of these art forms. So you said it was mostly one and, yeah. and a little bit of three. Yep. So mostly one, meaning you had maxed out your abilities on that and you didn't really know any better. And then a little bit of three. So you just saw what he, you were doing, what he yeah. was doing and you were like, oh, fuck this game. I got to jump into that pool. Yeah. I, I knew what it was. I knew it's we were at the same place with the same light The own, and... The same kind of vantage points, the same kind of angles. The real difference was the gear. And I knew that it's at some point I had that idea that I may run into it. But jumping into pro photography, it's a significant expense when you first do it. Uh, and But it's like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so I went out and bought. And this is where it's like, yeah, I didn't let that hold me back. I went and researched the fuck out of what is the best camera for what I want to do. And it's, I want- So you weren't even like, what's the best camera I can get for under 3,500 bucks? It was, I want to do X, Y, and Z. Yep. And I don't give a fuck how much it costs me. Yep. You were ready to take that step. That's a big deal. Yep. Because most of us don't do that, right? Most of us are forced into monetary choices along the way, what we can afford. Uh Uh-huh. And what's going to get us closest to our solution. Mm-hmm. And especially in your industry, because even though I don't know shit about it, I know a lot of people in it. And I stumble across a lot of you motherfuckers on YouTube <laughs> to try to figure out my own shit, right? Sure. <clears throat> there isn't a great channel out there that breaks down just podcasting and things that we need to deal with. So I have to go to fucking, uh, and I can't even think of any of their names off the top of my head. I apologize. They've taught me a lot. But yeah, from from guys who shoot commercials to cinematic interviews, to photographers, to game streamers, to learn the software and the lighting and the terms. That was a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. Tell me if you struggled with this because you said you were self-taught. Not even knowing, okay, it sounds like you did how I learned as a musician, right? When I first started, yeah, I got a lot of advice on the business, but that was honestly through kind of osmosis. And then Mm -hmm. once I decided to take the leap, And that was even as a teenager, but I didn't get advice on how to write songs. So I would write a song and then I would listen to bigger bands Mm -hmm. and I would go, why is my shit not sound like theirs? And if I would have gone to school, if I would have had, you know, better musicians around me, I could have learned those things a lot faster, but I had to painstakingly go through and then go, okay, this riff just sucks. Like it's Mm -hmm. catchy, but the riff sucks. Right. Let's try to rewrite the riff. Oh, I just rewrote the riff. It's the same riff, but it's a better version of the I look why do I sound like I'm talking like Donald Trump right now? Are you catching that vibe too? <laughs> I'm doing this bit. thing with my hands. Yeah. Like your hands aren't nearly that small. And it was the cadence too. God yeah. gross. Uh, and no, I'm not I'm not one of those left wing <laughs> Trump haters. I hated Trump before it was cool. I hated him back in celebrity <laughs> apprentice days. I hated him before he ran you for the Reesh motherfucker. Yeah, I hated I, I don't like any of them motherfuckers. No, I also don't like Joe Biden, so don't give me that shit either. I don't want <laughs> fucking hear that shit anymore. But um no, I literally had to like painstakingly go over my own shit and compare it against things that were already great and successful. And 
it took so long and it sounds like that's kind of how you did it too yeah as getting better at the photography and this is before we upgrade to the new gear right, right. i just want right. to make sure i'm kind of yep. understanding your journey along the way so yeah you didn't have that that community of photographers in Vermont as you're an adult or young. I mean, because also it, it makes sense, but it's also kind of mind-blowing because you don't hear about Texas, especially Houston back then, uh, maybe now, but back then, or Vermont having good art cultures, you know? So you're right. not going to have a great uh, uh, circle of peers to go in and collaborate with and shoot the shit with. Right. And you said this was 20 years ago when you came to Minnesota? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 20 years ago. 15, you, 15 years ago, yeah. But that's when you came to Minnesota. Yeah. That means you had an entire fucking life in Vermont and in Texas, two entire environments uh -huh. that were not helping you proceed as a creative person. Right. That's, it's yeah. so obvious when we say it like this, uh -huh. how long did it take you to where you and it, is that part of the thing that officially prompted you to move to Minneapolis as part of the thriving art scene and all that other shit is that you knew you were going to be able to take your skills to the next level because it was a better art town. Is that part of it, too? Not necessarily. Um, when I talk about the art in the Twin Cities, did that even make any sense? It did. See, it this did. is why I need to drink more. Yeah, because when I don't drink, I say a lot of words. And I don't even know if I understand my own question. <laughs> <laughs> the, the big thing, uh, the big thing with Minneapolis uh, is that I'm a theater kid. And so uh, that was the main thing I was thinking of in terms of Minneapolis. Uh, just made it much easier. And there's all sorts of shows that come here. What, what's the stat that they say? We have the most seats in Minneapolis or in the, in the Twin Cities area uh outside of broadway or something like that i forget it's something pretty spectacular i think yeah so i think i know what my grandma was obsessed with this yeah me to a lot of um was going to art school and all that yeah um i think i know what you're talking about yeah. i think it's something like um i think chicago is included in there too could be because chicago literally is what's called off broadway uh -huh. so when you get on Broadway, you could come from Chicago, you could come from anywhere, but to get on Broadway, that's like an achievement, right? Mm -hmm. And that's literally in New York, Broadway, New York. That's yep. the whole thing. Um, and then when you officially become what they call off-Broadway, <coughs> that's when your shit was so successful on Broadway that you actually take that play on tour. And I don't think Chicago is technically counted in there. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is, and it's like Chanhassen, it's fucking the Orpheum, it's all these actual right. theaters in town where, God, I can't remember. The Guthrie, yeah. the Ordway, yeah. all of the small And we have theaters. more seats in this town Mixed to observe blood. plays yeah, than anywhere in the country yep. other than Broadway. New York and Chicago. You're right, I, and it may just be New York. It may just be New York, I but I is. think Chicago beats us okay. too. Because I've been to New York, or I've been to Chicago several times to right. see off Broadway plays as a kid. Yeah, and I, I, I would be curious. They though, have not only a lot of them, but they have huge fucking yeah. theaters. Chicago's a big town, man. It is, uh, and I would wonder too when you start to bring the little theaters into it, right. because the big the big houses that's one thing, but we have so many little houses. One of the f the first <laughs> it's place like how we do lakes. 
So Minnesota, the reason we have the most lakes in the country is because our qualification for a lake is so much smaller than any other state. Right. So it's like we're the land of 10,000 lakes, but we actually have like well over 14,000. We only claim 12,000. But if we, you use our metric and you just go right over to Wisconsin, they have way more lakes than us. Yeah, but their yeah. metric for measuring a lake is so much bigger. Uh-huh. I bet you that's exactly what you're Could talking be. about with Could theaters. Yeah. Is we we figured out a way to be number one. Uh-huh. We included all these little tiny theaters and, and like good. podunk comedy clubs out in fucking Fairbolt, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the first thing that I saw here that's it the was, Minnesota uh, way. Yeah, it was. Uh, a recreation of three Mary Tyler Moore episodes. And I would say it was probably in a house of 50. And it was hilarious. I mean, they did the uh, Chuckles the Clown one where when he died and uh, Mary was giving the speech, you know, the eulogy, and she just kept snickering and just couldn't keep a straight face. So they did all of those, and it was really funny. At a theater that is now a parking lot. Uh, so that's a little sad. So when did you figure out that because it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like your specialty is entertainers mm-hmm. twofold. Yes. Capturing them live, which it seems like that's where your real passion is. Yes. But especially after working with you, the speed and the ease, I'm sure if we spent some more time, we could get them even doper. But you also did a really good job of what what's that kind of photography called? What we did, what you and uh, I promo did. work, promo work. Yeah. Okay, so you're really good at that. Your passion seems to be in live music, mm-hmm. after, and not even just live music, but live entertainment. Yes, that's what I mean by by entertainers. When did you realize you you said you came here more for the the art scene and the theater scene because you're a theater mm-hmm. kid? When did you realize that? You weren't going to be a wedding photographer. You weren't going to be a nature photographer. You weren't going to be an architecture photographer. When did it come about that you go, it's music. That's that's where I am. That's where I right. need to be. Um, music has been a lifelong passion. Uh, I started getting back into going to concerts more. And I just started seeing it. And it's like, oh, I really want to take pictures here. So, And that's really what happened. I started going to concerts again and did it start like on your phone where you just I like captured there. a moment and you're yeah. like, fuck, I wish I would have had a better camera. Yeah. I did some there and I have pictures. How many shows did you go to before you finally brought a real camera? Oh geez. With the intent of taking pictures of the band. Twenty, thirty shows probably. I have pictures and I'm one of these days, and once again, don't give me shit about this. I have pictures from Disturbed. And I have pictures taken with a smartphone, and I have pictures taken with by point and click, uh, taken up from the front row, and just the comparison between the two images. Actually, no, I think it's three. There's like smartphone, crappy camera, and good camera, uh, the point and click camera. And one of these days, I would really like to take photos of them with my full pro rig. So just so I can see the progression. Uh, and I've, I've posted them. I post them every so often just to show people. It's like, this is where I've come in five years. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's why I don't take down old fucking podcasts. Yep. For yep. sure. I should honestly, like, I should probably take down, like, the first 
70. <laughs> <laughs> and I see, I, I do the same but thing. But I don't. But I, I, look, I don't. You got to live with yeah. it, man. It's part of your journey, right? Yeah. I look at the stuff that I have up on my website because it's pretty much everything that I have shot, except for stuff that really is just like cell phone. Um, so it's to give you an idea of what I'm capable of professionally. Of course, the last stuff I, I think is the best. Um, but you look back when I was playing with color, when I was playing with filters, part of that must admit is you could take a bad image or you can take a mediocre image and make it look better. And that was part of my artistic process at the time. I liked taking images and accentuating the dark and the gloomy in them. And that's so that's more what I looked for. And then I've started and I'm not exactly sure. I think when COVID hit, I started reaching out and doing other kind of shoots. I started doing family shoots and model shoots and all sorts of stuff like that and learning a whole lot more about lighting in the process. You know, when you're taking pictures at a concert, you play catch. Uh, I can't change the lighting. Um, but I started getting more of a sense for it and started getting more of a yearning for the ultra sharp, maybe slightly hyper realistic images. Uh, not quite. There's one, it's called the Dave Hill effect. They look like cartoons. Uh, but looking for it to really pop uh, and show people, you know, what's on stage. And that's where I've moved to. As you, If you look through my images, you'll see they're more of a natural finish. I don't fuck with the color much. But I do fuck with the intensity, the, uh, what do they call it, the structure, essentially. And it's a... It's actually not that difficult to do, but I like the effect much more. I'm digging it right now. It's interesting because I always wonder about these things from as I've started to get into podcasting, lighting, and framing, and all these things we've been talking about. You know, and we haven't really dug into any of them yet. Um, we're just kind of talking about them conceptually. But as I've learned more and more, just to try to make this podcast is is um as least shitty as I can make. Like, I understand the, the production deficiencies we have here. We're doing the best we can. But I think a lot of people also see that I do try and I do care because, unfortunately, this podcast is more well-produced than a lot, including from, like, legitimate size and level celebrities who have the money and the network and the means and the ability to do it at a, a good level. And they're still doing it production wise at a lower level than this. So I'm right. always, always interested and fascinated as I get to know more and more about this industry. I see the parallels to guys like you. I'm always interested because um, they make me think about the same things from a different perspective. Right. You know, it's like, oh, fuck, well, I've been thinking about that same problem in my application, and I never thought about it like that, because I'm not a fucking photographer. <laughs> right. <laughs> it sounds no obvious. It yeah. sounds obvious when I say it like that. Uh -huh. But I think we do that in our, in our everyday lives a lot. Like, here's another steep example, and I got one more serious photography question for you, but I, this seems like a good goofy story. Uh, today... We got an extra recycling can dropped off. We didn't order an extra recycling can. We ordered an extra garbage can. And the guy had an entire truck full of recycling bins and zero garbage bins. 
And I was like, I was so excited when he pulled up because I was like, dude, we've been waiting for this extra. Because I got a lot of like construction shit I have to throw out. Right. It's not like garb, regular garbage. Doing a bunch of remodels. And we're just filling up our fucking garbage on a regular weekly basis to the point where I can't dispose of this other shit. So it starts piling up. You know? Right, right. <laughs> like, fuck. And uh, I've been waiting a couple months for this motherfucker. And he shows up today. I'm all excited. I'm like, ooh, I've been waiting a couple months for this. And for th- for this garbage can. He's like, garbage can? I got a recycling can. <laughs> I was like, dude, I don't understand. Like, why can't I get it? And he's like, he started explaining the nuances of the industry. And I was like, oh, my God. There's like a whole thing. There's a whole industry with mm-hmm. their own issues. And you just never think. There's so many. Th- and we, him and I said it at this like jinx levels of synchronicity it was like the things you take for granted like in modern day life we just you don't think about the the nuance and work and art almost you know and i get garbage cans aren't an art but yours is but a lot of us just take it for granted you know we take a fucking photo we scan on our phone there's millions and millions and millions of dollars that on to undermine what you guys do <laughs> so we can do it on our phones for free or yeah. essentially for you it's not free right paying a thousand dollars for something you don't know how to use but mm-hmm. that's cool you know <laughs> i'm not even being condescending i'm, right. I'm saying it. i we don't unless you're a photographer we do not know how to use our phones properly mm-hmm. our cameras on our phones properly. right too easy and and the trick is um who was it that I shot the other day? Auto Incorrect. So shout out to Auto Incorrect. Uh, they played at, oh, that little coffee shop. Uh, well, you were there. What's that coffee shop's name? I don't underground know. Cafe, not Underground Cafe, but it's something like that over on 3rd. Anyway, I think that's close. I think Underground Music Cafe. I think I, that is it. I, okay. Yeah. It's not the one in St. Anthony East. It's the one. It was downtown. Yeah, it's downtown. Yeah. It was a cool little spot. Yeah. Oh, it's a fun spot. Um, they Their sound has gotten better. I like their lighting. They they did some upgrade of their lighting, so it works out pretty well. Um, I like the fact that it has the Station 4 vibe. Yeah. Where, But it's in reverse. That's where I got the photo bomb on my Instagram, you guys. This uh, motherfucker. This motherfucker. <laughs> Bro, you know damn well I'm doing a podcast right now. Oh, man, I just wanted to ask you a question. Go for it. But you're on the podcast, just so you know. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, I hate to interrupt the flow, but um, leaning toward making that decision of, you know, pulling a Jared uh, singer, right? And, um, and I don't mean the poet. I mean, the, the guy doing the podcast. Yeah, not that fast talk. <laughs> um, but I just want to know when you make a video, how do you, how do you, how would I incorporate sound to a video? You mean like music? Like, let's say, I mean, like, let's say I just want to do like, um, like sound effects. I want to talk, I want to talk about something. I, I just want to ambient music, or, you know, in the background. The background. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on your phone? On a video that I'm going to post on my uh, Are you recording the video on your phone? Case. And you want to edit it on your phone? Or do you want to put it in a computer and do it? Can I do it on the phone? Absolutely. I got I can't explain it to you right now, but now there that I know what your question is, by the time I call you back, I'll have an answer. Perfect. 
right, how long? All I need to know is this: How long is the video? Uh, I'll say probably no more than seven minutes. Okay, got it. All right, I got you. Okay. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Okay, so seven minutes. So it must be a sex video. No, it's probably workout or motivational. I've been talking to him, trying to get him to start a YouTube channel for a while. Oh, got it, got it. Or at least get his shit on Instagram. Dude is like, dude can fucking. I don't even know the right numbers. I'm afraid I'll either say a realistic number that's way too low and not impressive, or uh-huh. I'll say an unrealistic number that's way too high and completely unbelievable. Sure. But he doesn't do steroids. He doesn't do any of the bullshit. Mm-hmm. The dude is a genetic freak. He's been on the podcast a couple times. Uh, his name's Anwar. Uh-huh. The dude is a fucking genetic freak. And I'm like, bro, we got to figure out a way to monetize you and get you on Instagram. Just being you. Like, I'm sick and tired of watching you basically be, and this is going to sound sketchy. I don't want to fucking hear shit about it. You got to hear me out. This is steep. But this is analogy I've drawn in correlation to all of us. As I said, I don't want to see you be a modern day slave, basically. And here's my theory behind that. Because yes, he is black, but that just happens to be a coincidence. My theory is this. Anybody who sacrifices their entire lives, okay? Yep. 40 hours a week until they're 65 plus in order to literally have enough money to quite literally retire and buy their financial freedom is exactly what you did in ancient Rome when you were a serf, a.k.a. a slave. Mm -hmm. That's, That's fucked. So... When somebody has an opportunity to monetize their own personality, shout out to John Wheeler for fucking coining that term with me. Um, when you have an ability to monetize your own personality, like an Anwar or a me or a you or a Joey Moya, shout out to Hi, Joey. Joey. Um, these are guys that are, and, and there's a longer list than this. These are just the ones in the conversation right now, hanging out and chatting shit. Um, we have the potential to make way more money monetizing our own personalities than we do working for some other asshole so he can be rich and go play golf every Wednesday. Shout out to Chuck Fowler, one of my best friends and my old boss who plays golf every Wednesday. Um, but And he, he understood this point too, which is why he started his own company. He was like, yeah, because I'm going to work my ass off either way. Right. Why would I work 40 to 60 hours a week for some other asshole so he can play golf on it? Wednesdays. I want to be the asshole playing golf on Wednesdays. Sure as shit, he's the asshole playing golf on Wednesdays. <laughs> That's the whole point to that. That's why I'll still take his phone call mid-podcast because sure, he's been on sure. the podcast. He's a part of the culture and, and that's what I want us all to do is what you're doing, yeah, what yeah. I'm doing, what Joey's doing. You know, what? Take some fucking faith in yourself. Invest in yourself and I promise if you put the same level of pressure on yourself and tell me if you disagree with this, but I'm willing to say I promise. If you put the same level of pressure on yourself to make whatever your side hustle is, to make that a successful, if you put the same level of pressure you, you put on yourself at your day job to not get fired, to show up on time, to keep <laughs> yeah. your 401k, to keep your health insurance, all that shit. If you put that same pressure on yourself to make your side hustle successful, you'll probably make more money in whatever your side hustle is doing your own deal. Yeah, the all only, things being equal. I yeah. think exactly all things being equal. Thank you for throwing that in there because yeah. that is the the main thing, right? Because not all things are equal. Meaning right. self accountability. Some guys, and I know a bunch of them, who admit I need somebody to tell me what to do. If you, they're smart enough and wise enough, and they know themselves to go. If you give me the freedom to make my own schedule or mm-hmm. decide, it ain't never getting done. I need somebody to ride my ass. Not everybody can be that. 
Right. But I think a lot of us can, and we're just scared to take that leap because what we have is a safe job. Yeah. And that's a scary thing for most people to do. So what do most of us do? And I think you're, you can attest to this. We slowly try to make the side hustle more serious mm-hmm. until we, there's a natural point of liftoff. Here's what I, and tell me if I'm wrong. Uh-huh. I don't think there's ever a natural point of liftoff. There's a point where you have to let go of this 40 hour a week thing because you'll never make this thing as successful as it can be as long as you're dedicating 40 to someone else. Like you have to, at some point in time, I believe, whether it's photography, music, podcasting, game streaming, um, whatever industry, I think you have to take a leap mm-hmm. at some point. Would you agree? Depends on the jobs. Because I, I just, I don't hear very many stories where it was a smooth, yeah. easy transition. It, it was like, yeah. I was making the same amount of money as, as my full-time job. So it was just obvious. It's like, I don't hear that story. Is right. What I hear is somebody's like, hey, I made it just enough money where I was doing, you know what? Not going to be able to do anything for a few months. Mm-hmm. But if I take the leap now, I won't miss my mortgage payment. Right. The um, and, and where I say it depends on the job, it depends on the side hustle is, you know, my situation is slightly different. Um, my main job pays quite well and allows me to go to a store and buy five thousand dollars worth of camera equipment. When I when I made the decision like this is going to happen, it wasn't a huge stretch for me to do that. And looking at what my current job pays and looking at what photography, I mean, top photographers, what they get paid, I, my philosophy is a little bit different because photography, it can be a full-time kind of job. But even there, there's lots of downtime in photography. My understanding, I, I don't claim to know the business of photography as well. But what I can do is I can do my day gig, which I enjoy. I do like what I do. It's very left-brained challenging. And that meaning logical, logical, right? So that takes care of the bills, right? Not going to have to worry. Going to keep the house. Going to blah blah blah. And then, well, and I, it also sounds like it's not super high stress, and you're not fucking miserable doing it, correct. which helps. Correct. However, that's also not most of us. That is not most, and that's why I say <laughs> that that I'm, with all things being equal, sure, that's that the key. I, to I'm it. I'm in in kind of a different situation. With so, all that privilege you got. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, just kidding. Much. I'm no, just it's, kidding. You it's, worked hard to get there. Dude. It's, it's not far from wrong. Um, but I can use that. And then I have my free time uh, to play with my right brain stuff, uh, to practice my artistic craft and be able to dedicate actually a pretty, a pretty good amount of time right. to it. Whereas a lot of people that, that day job isn't providing them enough money to go buy any gear they want. Right. And they're in their free time. They're so worried about paying the day-to-day bills. Right. I get what Very you're saying. Very different. That is a, it's, I hate that word privilege though, because it's like yeah. privilege is something that's given to you. Right. right. Like, and I worked for this. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and so did I like, like, cause I'm already starting to get a little shit. Oh yeah. It's fucking easy. Cause you fucking, you, you don't do, you don't have to worry about this and you get to do that. And it's like, no motherfucker. Here's the point, dude, is I like did a lot of sacrificing between 26 and 36 to literally put myself in this position. And I'm still making a lot of those sacrifices today. Right. Like I don't fucking blow money on dumb shit. 
I'm investing it in the house or the podcast. Yep. You know, there's there's a lifestyle that I had to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, Period. Absolutely. End of story. So it's not it's not luck. Yeah. There was some luck, which was I was born in America. Uh-huh. That's one. Some, some that's, luck that's and the some biggest privilege. one. That's the Certainly. biggest one is that it, I was born in America. Yeah. Honestly, that's the biggest one. Mm-hmm. And the second one is that I was born in Minnesota. Right. So my abilities to pursue options are practically unlimited here, whether it's sports, name it, football, baseball, basketball. Mm-hmm. You can make it to any of the pro, pro leagues in this state. It happens all the time now. Um, music. Yep. Tyler all Prince over the place. And Bob Dylan. Yep. I mean, come on. I mean, now we have American Head Charge and After the Burial and Trampled by Turtles. It's not even an old thing. Right. I mean, th- there's more. There's more names that I haven't even listed. Um, name it. You can do it here. That's, yep. that's, the, that's, the, that's the luck and the privilege that I was born with is that I was born here right. in those two places. The rest of it, like we were born broke as fuck, mm-hmm. like really poor. We worked our asses off, including me as an adult. Like I was broke for, and technically I'm cash poor still mm-hmm. to this day. You know, like I'm not very liquid. <laughs> you know, right. If there's a big purchase I want, guess what? Ain't happening. Yeah. Cause yeah. even, even if I did have the ability to pull the trigger, I don't have the ability to access that kind of cash. Right. Even if hypothetically I do have that, it's like, no, it's, it's tied up, man. That's not how, <laughs> yeah. that's not how it works, bro. Yeah. But yeah, and, I'm yeah. budgeting for beer and fucking cigarettes, just like everybody else in the world. <laughs> so and yeah, hey Joe, we had to we had to set ourselves up to get here. That's the moral see, of the story. Yeah, see, I, yeah, it's like there's all these people. It's like yeah, oh, they're all showing much love to you. Oh, music scene treasure, thank you. Uh, and uh, sweaty pedals star. redacted a message. Man, yeah. it must have been some message. It must have been. <laughs> uh, well, no, typical porn scenes may be longer, like fifteen to twenty minutes. But uh, we could discuss that later. Entire. <laughs> in, I mean, if you want to get into porn, I mean, I, I'm an expert. <laughs> I mean, what are we talking? Because if we're talking like Brazzers level, they're all an hour, right? You know, and by the time you get that seven-minute clip on PornTube, you fucking amateurs. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't that ain't a porn that ain't a porn scene. That's a clip. <laughs> right. Um. So yeah, uh, that's where I went to West Video, West Audio and Video. Shout out to them. And, Bought the gear. Yeah, and I found my little Sony. Uh, so more more numbers and letters. Uh, Alpha 7.3 uh, basically picked it because it's a Sony and the they, interface. They're super legit in the camera. Yeah. There's not much. True. There's true. a few other companies, but I mean, what, Canon? Canon is a big one. Sony um, it used to be Kodak right. way back uh, in the day. Yeah. Uh, they're bankrupt now, right? Right. So it's pretty much it's those Canon and Sony. two. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and Alpha 7.3 uh, basically because it shoots in the dark. Uh, it very, very low light sensitivity kind of camera. One shot away from you. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> it shoots in the dark. Uh, what is that? Never, never made it further than two minutes. I'm not impressing anyone. Oh. <laughs> Sweaty. Oh. Sweaty. I don't even bullshit, dude. Really? I bet you're a great lover. I bet you are sensual and... Gentle and compassionate. I, I mean, fuck, when he was on... If st- I was even remotely gay, I would love to have sex with you. 
Uh, you know, you were on stage and impregnated everyone just from your singing. So, I mean, I, I got a little bit of the rub and not a yeah. sexual rub. This is something in the entertainment business. I finally heard it. Joe Rogan talk about the rub. Uh-huh. And he, he, it was so amazing. It was so amazing because this is a term I heard in the old school music industry. It's called the rub. Uh-huh. And there's two things that happen when you're around greatness. Yeah. You either... It ends your career, and he's talking about a boxer. So, like, a lot of guys go up against somebody like Floyd Mayweather, mm-hmm. and they're done, you know? And then there's other guys like Canelo Alvarez who went up against Floyd Mayweather and got the rub. Canelo lost that fight, but he turned into a different fighter after that. Uh-huh. That loss was the best thing that ever happened to him. It happens in music. You play with a great musician – you either walk away discouraged, like, oh, I'm never going to be that good, or mm-hmm. or the rub happens where you're like, that motherfucker showed me a couple things and like, ah, I get it. Mm. Incorporate right. it. Now you're better. Uh, I got a little bit of the rub that night watching fucking Moya mm-hmm. on stage, man. I was like, ah, that's right. And his whole band, really. Oh, yeah. Like, it was the whole band, dude. I even wore the short shorts to the show because I knew what <laughs> I was getting in myself in for. Because I had already had him on the podcast, and we uh-huh. talked about the jorts. And I walked in, fucking he saw me right away, said something about jorts, and I fucking gave him a little <laughs> grind. And, yeah, he's got a, he's got one of those special charismas that I would like to see in front of a bigger crowd. Yeah. I haven't yet seen them. You know, it's post-COVID. Shows are it's, – it's funny because regardless of whether the capacity is allowing anything, people are scared to go out. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. Um, that, that's my big thing with Joey is, uh, no, he's a great performer. He's got a really unleashed charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see him in front of a bigger crowd. Um, cause then I can really kind of see if there's a shell he's got to break through mm-hmm. or if the crowd's just not giving him what he needs. Right. It's kind of hard to explain. Cause I was a front man and I was really fucking good at that job. I was a terrible lead singer, terrible vocalist, but I was a fucking great front man. And I know what I'm fucking talking about on that front end. Yeah, I got to see Joey in front of a bigger crowd. I got to see if they're not giving him what he needs to feed off of or if there's an actual shell he's got to break out of. Because mm-hmm. right now, I, don't, I can't see any flaws. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, like, absolutely. Like, there's no, there's no, you can't evaluate anymore at this point. Yeah. Way better. Oh, what's up, Blake? What's up, Blakey Poo? That's my old guitar player, Jeremy oh, okay. Blake. Or technically, I guess the proper term would be I'm his old singer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be a better way to say it, more genuine. If I said I'm Jeremy's old singer, um, got it. Got oh it. no, we were in a band together, and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, and this is a good segue actually to my final like actual photography question, uh-huh. and then we can just kind of shoot the shit about whatever. But so, why did you decide to move into specifically what I notice is, yeah, you shoot bigger bands and you have all these great opportunities, uh-huh. but why did you decide? You wanted to shoot and expose local bands that no one's ever heard of before. Because I noticed you do that way, almost, I shouldn't even say, definitely even at a, at a better level than I do. Because that's kind of where I'm at now is like, mm-hmm. yeah, I have the OGs on, I have the old guard on, but I'm really trying to find the new bands that are right. doing it right. Mm-hmm. You're doing that same thing, but at a, at a way more efficient clip. What, why did you decide to go that route? Instead of just doing yeah. what everyone does, which is try to get the biggest bands you can shoot for. 
You know, part of it though, when because you've done that, just in case anyone's confused, you've yeah. shot big bands. Yeah, I. But went, you choose right. I, I I prefer to do local work. That's fascinating. Why? Yeah. That's so fascinating to me. I'm when I go and do big stuff. Uh, I'm and, and you know everyone I would like to say oh I you know I'm a special little snowflake. Remember that narcissism I referred to earlier. <laughs> well, we are musicians. We're uh, yeah. all super needy and emotional. Yeah, Let's just admit do. that, guys. Yeah, that's um, why we're doing it. Most of us, right? So, but if I'm doing a big show, um, I'm I'm an accessory. Uh, there, I have very little contact with the band. Um, it's it's just not as satisfying, and they've already made it. Uh, they, this, I mean, there's bands that they can coast on on what they do uh, when once they've made it to that kind of level, or uh, they don't need uh, a photographer like me. They well, they can acquire one at the drop of a hat, uh, and they can pay you know whatever they need to pay for that. But I want to work with the local scene i like to have more contact with artists because hey it's fun i i like working with artists um and i want to see them do well because if they i mean it kind of is the rising tide carries all ships so if they're doing well i'm doing well almost yeah it's either you watch the podcast or it's just a great coincidence because i say that all the time that's literally a phrase i beat to death on this yeah, is that, you know, we can all support each other. And, you know, I get to have fun. Like I posted on my thing today. Ooh, my hair just got funny. Oh, well. Uh, you look beautiful. Stop oh, it. Thanks, yeah. Uh, like butter. So, You're um, gorgeous. Stop it. <laughs> but it was, um, you know, basically, I like catching badassery. I like being in front of the stage, and I like... Uh, getting to take pictures and sharing that with bands and sharing that with people and getting the appreciation for it. Uh, you know, hell, I'm human. Of course I do. You know, and a little money is also nice. Uh, a l- little more than a little more is also but you, good. But you definitely but don't yeah. seem like that's why. It's not about the money. No. I mean, you deserve to get paid. You want to get paid. You don't, do, you don't throw your shit out there for free. Right. But you also seem to, you have like kind of a standardized pricing for certain things like when yep. we talked Mm-hmm. Um, but you made a post today on social media and I thought it was kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. just the timing of it, not even the, the actual post itself, but just the timing of it because it was like, no, trust me, you can afford me Yeah, because you and I talked about this mm-hmm. where you will customize your pricing plans based on the level of the band. Right. So if they're super new, you will make it super affordable. Yeah. But if they've got a hybrid machine and it is fucking running smooth, you're not selling yourself short and right. giving them a fucking $30 live photo. It's not no. happening. Don't right. even fucking waste. You can afford it. Pay me what I'm worth. Right. I respect that so much because a lot of guys are afraid to do that because it makes you look like you're gouging certain people. Mm-hmm. But it's not. that's not what it's about. No. No. There's a different motivation. It's I, I want to see you get the exposure that you deserve. Uh, everyone that I take pictures of, and it actually doesn't matter if I take pictures of August Burns Red and they don't pay me, you know, because we didn't have a prior fiduciary arrangement, they will still get free pictures. I would give them free pictures. It's usually like three to five. Um, I do the same thing, which is where in that little 
missive that I posted today, just reminding people, you invite me to see a show, and I, if I get to come to your show, I will take pictures, and I'll provide you with a few. If you look through the rest of them and go, ooh, you know, I can't afford to pay you your full $200 fee or whatever, uh, but I just like... still nothing. Yeah, but I like these three 200 shots. 200 bucks, nothing. You know. Uh, I mean, like, I get it though. If your band's not even getting exactly, and I and I get it. It's... Each guy's throwing in a hundred bucks a month for the rehearsal space. And sure, I get sure. it. We've all been there. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, it's like you hear that story about photographers that are like, I couldn't get a job when I was trying to charge five hundred bucks, and then I I literally threw another zero on there, started charging five thousand, and started working for the NFL within three months. Right, like that's real. Yeah. So it's interesting. If we think about this from the other end of the spectrum where, again, a local band's like, oh, 200 bucks. It's like, I don't think you understand the fucking value. That's And, and again, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm doing it again where I'm starting <laughs> to sound condescending. I'm doing that again, and I apologize. That's not my intent. But I'm trying to smack some common sense into people. You know, like my boy Justin Boney is a great example. Mm-hmm. He's a fantastic graphic design artist. He deserves to get paid. Right. He's constantly being lowballed. And it's like, dude, do you not have any fucking respect for the value that this dude brings to your fucking art? Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to name names, but you mentioned someone before the podcast. If you really think it ain't worth it, do it your fucking self. Right. And show me what the product looks like when you're done. This is why you shouldn't do most things yourself. You're a musician. Mm-hmm. Be a musician. Right. When you need photos, don't have your girlfriend take them with your phone. Hire a fucking photographer. If it costs $200, save up your money and do it once. Right. Do it once a year. Yep, exactly. And make sure it's the best show you got lined up that year. Make sure you guys are dressed fucking good. Put your best fucking foot forward. Yep. But don't hit up a dope-ass photographer <laughs> and offer him 50 fucking dollars because that's all you can afford because you're also devaluing your own art because you're showing another artist that you don't value what they're doing. So why should he have any value in what you're doing? Yeah. What, and kind of what That makes it, sense. I know that was a bit of a rant. I'm not, it's not yeah. a question. That was more of just like a statement. Yeah. That makes sense, though? It does. Because and, and, that's also not rising tide raises all ships either. Sure. Right? It's kind of the opposite. It's like pulling you down as you're trying to fucking Um, (laughs) i need more oxygen fuck you and and i think kind of what it speaks to and we've talked a little bit about this the business of having a band is have a policy have kind of a strategy for what you're looking at to get yourselves out there uh so it may be okay we can afford one photo shoot you know, do a full photo shoot every year or something like that. We want it to be the Southern Theater because it's a glorious space to shoot or whatever, you know, uh, kind of focus on it like that. Think about your photos as assets because I do see this and granted, you know, once the Venmo clears and you get your images, you can do whatever you like. Uh, but I, it's I, funny you say that because we just talked about before the podcast. I was like, you need to take your account, dude, because I got yeah. that. I think I don't think I paid you, but I don't think you accepted yeah, it. And I think I got no, my money back. I think I got my photos for free. That's that's Zell. I'm I'm sure. If I wouldn't have said anything, you wouldn't have known. Though. I wouldn't have known. No. Um, but take those and think of it's them. It's funny as, you say after it clears. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, after think about it as your assets and think about it as deploying your assets. So don't throw all of the images all at once up on Instagram. Uh, would be my recommendation. Pick a few that you like, kind of assemble packages, and then go. I'm going to put this one out here. I'm going to put this one out here, and just That's have brilliant. Have a game plan. So let's mind. say you get 12 images at the end of the shoot. Right. You take three of them. Okay. Yeah. These are our social media images. Mm-hmm. This one's going to go on our Instagram. This one's going to go on our Facebook. This one's going to go on our Twitter. Right. Now these other nine. Um, these are going to be for print advertising if we get mm-hmm. our shit in a magazine for review. Right. Um, these other three or whatever of those nine, those uh-huh. are for like any fucking TV or, or radio visual placement, like maybe on a billboard or something right. like that, depending on what level you're at, you know, because mm-hmm. it's yeah. not it's not insane for a band to drop 500 or 1500 bucks locally and get a fucking billboard on the side of the highway to promote right. local shows. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I know bands that have done that, and mm-hmm. it's extremely effective. That's why they still do it to this day. Sure, sure. So it's it's thinking about it, uh, being intentional about what you do with the assets that you get. So the the podcast that you participate in, the images that you receive, uh, just just have a game plan to to help stretch your advertising dollar because that's essentially what you're doing is mar- marketing dollars. It's brilliant. And it's, you're basically just telling how people, how not to spend more money, but spend the same money more efficiently. Exactly. And when we explain it like this, it seems so obvious and common sense. So obvious. Like, it's like, oh God, you guys, we get it. It's like, yeah, but why haven't you done it then? Why? (laughs) If it's so obvious when we say it this way, don't be that guy. Think about it. Yeah. Yes. What we're saying is common sense, but you haven't done it. Now that it's common sense, now you can go do it. But don't right. sit here and pretend like you knew this all along because you haven't been doing this shit. Right. So, yeah, take your 200 bucks yeah. once a year, go get a legit, and, and make it part of your new album push. Or we're dropping a single this year to promote mm-hmm. and, and build hype for our album that we're actually dropping next year. Or, you know, we're going to try to do a weekend warrior tour where we're going to make it look like a tour, but mm-hmm. we're coming home every, every Sunday or whatever. And you build that as part of your campaign. Here's our six photos that we took in January mm-hmm. with Bud. And here's our promo material. Instead of, like you said, oh, he gave us 24 photo. Throw them all up on social media. Mm-hmm. Don't. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, it's gratifying to see, but it's, it's too much. You're overwhelming your audience when you could conserve those assets. Yeah, just take one yeah. of them and make it your new profile pic. Right. Um, <laughs> That's literally all you should do with it. You may notice uh, on Instagram. It sounds so obvious when we talk yeah, about it this way, though, dude. Yeah. And I think people need to hear these just simple, blunt conversations sure. like, here's the mistakes most people are making. Let's well, not do those. What other yeah. pieces of and advice do you have for, for not just local bands, but even uh, regional bands? Right. And the other thing, though, to speak to that, part of the reason people don't want to do it is they don't. It's not making music. It's not fun to do. Now, I think it's fun, but I'm weird. Uh, I, I think strategizing marketing, uh, those things I find intriguing. They trigger my right brain. I'm not sure. I guess it's advertising. That's why it would. Uh, So it's not fun, but it's necessary uh, if the goal is to do something other than just play some gigs. And not only is it necessary, but... Perfectly valid. If if that's all you want to do, you just want to go play a few gigs here and there, that is perfectly cool. Uh, But if you want to grow bigger... 
if you have greater aspirations, aspirations, you have to have a game plan in mind. Well, and to tie back in earlier to what we were talking about, it's not just necessary, it's vital, it's crucial. Yeah. Because again, still to this, there's a reason we have the cliche that a picture is worth a thousand words. That is 100% true, and in many ways, still to this day, a properly captured still image is honestly dude if you want you're doing a great job on on mic control you can just pop those off if they're really bugging you dude yeah that's okay just had to now it looks more like a headband but that's okay oh it just I see. it keeps sliding back and then it wants to slide off my head i so. see i got you this gets all the hair just kind of slicks it you're good makes it move. so yeah but again the still image in many ways is more beneficial for your Instagram account than an actual video, because unless that video is also supplied with great levels of audio, you have to understand most people are hearing it on their cell phone. Right. And there's nothing worse than a shitty sounding recording coming through shitty cell phone speakers. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, most people are not using earbuds or AirPods or any of that other shit. Right. So they're scrolling on Instagram and your obnoxiously EQ'd, uncompressed, no limiter, cell phone fucking quality video pops up on my Instagram. Even if you're a dope band, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, God, I'm not ready. And I just scroll past it. Right. That's the reality we live in. But you post a dope ass photo where maybe Bud captured the light right. He, ca- he captured the moment right in your charismatic performance. All of those things. Right. Now I go, like, who the fuck's this dude? (laughs) uh, This has happened a couple times. You post a photo of somebody. Like, who the fuck are these guys? Right. Like, they look kind of cool. Sometimes I'll click it and I'll listen to the band and I'm like, eh. But sometimes I'll listen to it and I'm like, oh. Right. Let's start following these motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I'm going to follow these motherfuckers. Like, click. And then I'm like, I'm just waiting to see. Like, wh- how are they doing their deal? I want to watch them now. You uh-huh. know, I've learned a few lessons being the podcaster, you know? Yeah. I want to kind of, like, observe from afar a little bit before I immediately reach out and have have somebody on the podcast, no matter how sure, dope I sure. think your music is or isn't. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're you're doing a great job of that. And and I think it's really interesting to bring it back to my... Right, right, right. You, know, you highlighting uh, a lot of bands I haven't heard of. And, and a lot of that is... I'm intrigued by that photo. Uh-huh. Because if you were just like a lot of us, you just hold up your cell phone, capture uh-huh. this band. Yeah. Like I did that at the Uncle Daddy show that we were at at that uh-huh. place yeah. you mentioned. I didn't post w- not one of them motherfucking videos because they sound like shit. <laughs> They're for me to send them my buddies. Yeah. Because I'm like, yo, this band is dope. And I'm like zoomed in on fucking Casey's right hand. Like uh-huh. literally all you can see is Casey's right hand. For like 30 solid fucking seconds he's like shredding like you know i'm I, i'm holding too much but you know he's like actually fucking playing and then he's also like country style picking with his fingers in oh, the yeah. middle like in the middle of these fulls i'm like bro so yeah. like 30 seconds of casey's right hand went to like three guitar playing friends of mine that i talk to almost daily yeah we're in like a group thread on iphone and those are who I sent those. I don't post them on fucking social media because they're not going to make the band look good, whereas right. your photos can. Yeah. And I think that's just really fucking cool, and you do a great job of highlighting those local bands. And Thank you. And, and I look for, like, when Joe, I mean, we speak about Casey of Revenant Soul, 
uh, Joe, bass player, Revenant Soul. Hey, Joe. Well, there's Joe DeRoche, and then there's the other Joe, and the last name always escapes both me. Both of I'm them sorry. are great musicians. They both are. Terrible, four terrible are. people, but but great, oh, but God, great yeah. musicians. Just yeah. the worst human. I'm kidding. Let's let's not bring Jesus up the rap Christ. sheet. So, oh, geez, yeah, it's no, a joke. No. I um, love I love those guys. I don't know the bass player as well as Joe. Yeah. But watching him, but me and Joe are best friends. Watching him, he will play along, and I play bass. I uh, hobbyist, so uh, certainly not going to be on stage anytime soon. Uh, but I'll watch him, and he'll be playing, and he flips his hand around to play some of the notes. I'm like, that is freaky as fuck. I have to. And they're not that on basic, camera. bitch. They're not basic, yeah. bitch. Shit, like I would do, where you're just like playing a simple. No, he's like. Fucking yeah. like no, riffing, you, and his fucking right hand is going full speed. It's right. it's impressive. You, you watch Joe, and I was we were talking about this before. Casey is a virtuoso. I mean, literally is. I, dude, here's the thing: is I think Casey and Logan are the two best guitar players that the Minnesota local scene has agreed witnessed since Trent from After the Burial, okay. um, and agreed. Justin as well. But 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 Trent. Trent was a different level. He's built different. Yeah. Um, for real, though. And I think Casey and Logan are on that level, too. They're playing a more classic style of music. So I don't mm-hmm. know if they're going to get the props anytime soon that they deserve. Yeah. It might take years until they're in a band at the level of, let's say, like a Greta Van Fleet. Right. Where they have such a success that people are willing to start diving into the guitar playing and going, oh, wait a minute. Right. Wow. Yeah. Um. I feel like that's where they're going to get disrespected for a while. Uh-huh. But if they stay that course, the tide will turn. Yeah. And motherfuckers will like start showing like actual they're they're that fucking good. Yeah. And they're two Amazing. very different guitar players. Yeah. But the, I honestly man like fuck dude, even my guitar player Dalton who's breathtaking was like dude, those two guys are like they're like on a different Astounding. They're built different. Yeah. Like for real, they're so different. The ease of which they play this uh-huh. high level of guitar. Right. And that's what I'm getting at is like when you're at that level, you take something incredibly difficult and you make it look not effortless. only easy, but effortless. effortless. That's exactly what yes. I was going to say. Casey, at, Casey, if there's one piece of feedback, I would give you. Stop looking so bored. On occasion. <laughs> On occasion, it's like, oh, let me just tie my hand behind my back. Yeah, you do. You do look bored <laughs> at times. So, you look almost uh, bored on which, stage. I mean, it's still you're astounding, and, and I love to hear you play. But watching Joe, and that's what I did uh, at the last show. I really and these concentrated. Kids, these guys are basically they're not kids, kids, but they're not. They're not even thirty years old. Like these are. This is the new wave. Yeah, and. Honestly, man, they've they've all been on the podcast. Stormbreaker's been on the podcast. Uh, I got the rhythm section coming in soon. Um, I had part of Revenant Soul coming on. I'm gonna have the Revenant uh, the rhythm section from them coming in soon. Mm-hmm. These guys, for real, like especially the guitar players, but Revenant Soul's rhythm section. It's not just Casey. It's yeah. not just the singer Joe. It's that. Dude, that rhythm section, like, honestly, I can't even believe I'm going to say it, but if you have to pick a weak link in Revenant Soul, it is the drummer, and he's still top-notch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But if you have to, like, rank, like, the like, and honestly, here's how I, shitty I it is. I don't Joe's probably third. 
DeRocher's yeah. probably the third best musician in that band. That's how fucked it is. That's how good the bass player and the guitar player are. Because right. those other okay, two are also top notch. Yeah, absolutely. But like, I hope everyone else understands what I'm saying too, because this is nothing but compliments. And it's almost like, and it's the same thing with the Stormbreaker boys. It's like the band is on such a high level that they make their own drummer like not look that great. Because he's a good drummer. He's he's a fantastic drummer. Yeah. But but, uh, but I get but it. people including yeah. uh commenters on my podcast when Stormbreaker came on like, "Oh, great band, but the drums are killing you." Mm-hmm. That's not true. No. The point is is like it's a guitar-driven band and the guitar players are so good. If the drummer did anything more, it wouldn't work. Right. And you actually don't want a better drummer in that band. Right, because you just have to be honest about, like, for mm-hmm. example, Metallica. Right. If you threw Neil Peart in Metallica, yeah, that band sucks. That's a good point. That's a good. Point. That band, it's a guitar-driven band with a really creative drummer. Right. See what I'm getting at? Like, yeah. each band kind of has their balance. Yeah. And those, those two bands, man, I'm telling you, Joe the bass player and Casey the guitar player, and this is no disrespect to Joe the singer or the drummer. Um, oh, fuck, I Nick. forgot his name, Nick. Um, yeah. And then this is also no disrespect to the drummer from Stormbreaker or, or fucking... Uh, Jeremy, um, or, the bass player. Or, or Chris. Or Chris. The singer. But the, the, the people who are playing the string instruments in these two bands are at such a level. It is fucking awesome yeah. to watch because they're young. Like, I've watched dudes at this level come yep. up. And I am so excited to see dudes who are literally as young as my brother all the way up to less, less than 30, but in their mid to late 20s, doing this real rock and roll. Right. Like, these kids aren't buying into the Nicki Minaj and all that other bullshit. Oh, thank God. They want to fucking <laughs> rock, bro. And not yeah. only do they want to rock, but they're doing it at a level that... A lot of us wish, including me, including me, a lot of us wish we could. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah. I am a good guitar player. I am not very good. I am not great. I'm not anything above good, like solid. Right. And I wish I could do some of the shit that these motherfuckers are doing on guitar. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, it is crazy. And that is not true for every guitar player who's better than me. And almost all of you are. Almost all of you are actually better at guitar than me. It's safe to say for bass, too. <laughs> for you? <laughs> for me, yeah. Yeah, because I don't know. I mean, it's, def- it's obvious for me because I don't fucking, I can't play bass. Right. I mean, I can, but it's not. Sure, you know. sure. So the take-home message from that is if anybody that's watching this or watches this in the future and you have not seen either Stormbreaker or Revenant Soul perform, kick yourself in the head and then find out when they're performing and you, you have not to li- see them and let me throw this out there you may not like them because of the style and that's mm. fine but oh yeah that's fair but is what i hope people take from it is understanding the level of skill and talent that these young kids are bringing mm-hmm. and they're putting their energy into this throwback style music they're right. not trying to do gent they're not trying to do hip hop they're not yep. trying to they're going all the way back as far as they are willing to go, basically. Yep. 
I mean, even look at Trampled by Turtles. It resurrected basically some weird version of folk music. You know uh-huh. what I mean? It's just cool that no matter what we look at in this town, there's just this incredible influx of young talent doing mm-hmm. pretty much whatever the fuck they want. Right, right. I think that's what we're really getting. Yeah. And the, they're and good at it. The other thing that you see with both of these bands and many others, uh, but both of these bands is the showmanship that they have, uh, which we've talked about. Um, <laughs> kind of a caveat for catching badassery, which that is kind of my my thing. Uh, sometimes it's not easy to catch. and I, And I do get it that it's really difficult to play an instrument and do showmanship stuff uh and like i said i play bass and i've discovered this it's like oh god moving around you're kidding no i need to stand stock still no one's gonna pay to see me on stage playing bass um but these guys both of them have it they move around they're entertaining to watch joe is belting out these operatic tones casey is making it look so easy moya uh, is fucking making love to himself moya on is stage making love to himself and everybody else in the audience anyone who's watching is also making love to yeah. themselves with him so it's weird it's, it's weird but i'm super into it it works i tell you so but it's Please watch them and work on the stage quality as well. You make my job much easier. It's easy to make you look like a badass when you are, and all I'm doing is playing catch. And the easiest way to do that is to actually care and appreciate the privilege of playing on stage. Mm -hmm. I don't care if there's 40 people in that room. I don't care if the ticket only costs $7. A lot of those people had to get a babysitter. A lot of those people made it a night. They haven't gone out in a month or two. And it really doesn't matter how many people are in that room or how much they paid. You are fucking lucky to even have found a group of dudes who made it that far. Right. Even if you're just a local band, this is true for you. Because there's however many of you on your respective local scene, right? So let's say you're, I got a lot of international listeners. So let's say you're one of the French listeners and you're in a rock and roll band in France and you're kind of like feeling a little jaded or pissed off or maybe you just feel like you're just not successful enough. Just take a breath, take a moment and realize that however many of you are in Paris in your little local rock and roll scene, there's a hundred thousand times as many of you who haven't even gotten to the level you're at in your local scene. So if there's 30 of you, what I'm saying is there's fucking like 3 million of you that have tried and haven't even made it to that level. Right. That's how popular music is. It's not like comedy where there's maybe 1,500 of them in the entire Mm -hmm. Not like that. Like there's 300 million people in America. 13 million of them right now between kids and adults have some like fantasy of right. the music industry. It's what it it's more competitive than the NFL. There's more mm-hmm. people. Oh, yeah. There's more people trying to do that than there are trying to play professionals. So appreciate even those small accomplishments, making it to those local. And that's the easy when you start appreciating that level of accomplishment and you start putting in the work to make those tiny little local shows the best they can be. All of a sudden, you're going to notice people liking it more. You're going to notice the crowds building. 
and you're going to notice people like Bud having a lot easier time shooting you, getting you great photos, which also build into that same positive feedback. Right. It starts with you as the musician. you got to give a fuck. Appreciate the fact that you're about to pass out. If, you, if, you're at, if at some point in that show you're not contemplating, I need to slow down because I'm going to throw up, you're not pushing yourself hard. <laughs> yeah. Period. End of story, and I don't want to hear shit. If you literally don't feel like you're going to throw up at some point in that show, you could have given the audience more. And that's also true if there's 20 people and they paid five bucks for four bands that night. I don't give a shit. Care. You know why? Because you could literally die that night. That could be the last show you ever play. You could walk off on stage, unload your gear, get hit by a bus. Or maybe you're in a bigger band. You're touring. You're playing big shows. And your fucking dime bag Daryl and some psychopath gets on stage and shoots you. These are real things that can happen. Every time you hit that snare drum could literally be the last time you hit Appreciate that. Because there's a lot of motherfuckers who would die, even on a local level, to be where you're at right now. Yep. And if you really understand that and appreciate that, you'll make people like your job a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Your fucking viewers or your fans will enjoy your shit more because it comes through in your art. And just all because of positive feedback loop. Yes. It is a positive feedback loop. In a good way, because you don't want one in a bad way. Yeah. So, what? What's next for Bud Ingram Lyle? Well, I don't want (laughs) to ask a cliche question, and I have a couple different ones, but they're all, I mean, we kind of got to the meat of everything. And Uh I feel like I've done a much better job of doing that up front. Like, right. get, like, let's really talk about this up front, and then we can derail it. But I do have one more question. Sure. Because we talked about Revenant Soul. Uh-huh. We talked about Stormbreaker. Yep. Um, you've mentioned a bunch of other bands. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to all those guys. And all the ones, I tell you, there's so many. It's like, I'm going through and going Timekeeper, Corsair. Tell me about Dreams Aside. You did a Dreams photo Aside, shoot. Yes. and And I'm... You're going to need to just talk to the camera for a minute because okay. i got to go take a leak real quick. But sure. here's my question. Uh-huh. I want you to tell me about Dreams Aside because you did... It's not even a question. It's just a setup for you. Uh-huh. Tell me about Dreams Aside because you did a photo shoot of a video shoot. Yes. This was kind of cool because I, I follow you on social. I follow uh-huh. them on social. And it was kind of cool to see this because they would post like a clip mm-hmm. of them shooting the video in front of a green screen. And then a few hours later... I'd see a photo of you of them filming in front of the green screen. It's just right. really cool. Oh, right. Yeah. So, so tell me about that experience. I'm going to be right over there taking a leak. I can hear you. I'm going to uh-huh. pull the curtain so you can't see my big ass dick. Okay. But- <laughs> you don't want me to faint. You know. Shout out to Workaholics. I love that show. I miss Karen, that show so I'm much. My big ass dick. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go take a leak. Um, right. I'll still be able to hear you. Yeah. But yeah, t- tell me about that. Tell the viewers about that because okay. that's something you just got done doing. Yeah. Um, and shout out to Dreams Aside. That's uh, my boy Justin Crandall. Oh yeah. Um, who sounds like he's coming back on the podcast. We just haven't settled on a date. Um, but they're doing something really cool. Um, so yeah, tell people because that's an interesting thing. Like, and that's something that happens in Hollywood all the time. There's mm-hmm. always photographers shooting shit, being photographed or filmed or whatever. Right. What was is that the first time you've ever done anything like that? It is. Um, okay, so tell tell us what that was like. I'm going to go take a leak. 
Sure. As soon as I get done, it's just going to switch to you, and you can either talk directly into the camera, or you can okay. pretend I'm still uh, sitting here. Yeah, and, I can talk to the camera and talk to my dead seat. Talk to your yeah. It's like to, it's the, to you. the non-existent. It is a glorious chair. It is a nice chair. Yeah, but I think I can talk to the camera. So, um, basically, um, the way that I got connected with Dreams Aside is uh, Justin. I took pictures of him. Oh, I want to say it was Standing Alliance. Forgive me if I get the name wrong. Um, So, and basically, I was kind of wedged into the crowd. I had my pro gear with me. uh, So, I became Justin's personal photographer. (laughs) Uh, for the evening. And that does happen uh, if you're at places that don't have uh, kind of a a pit area where the photographers can roam freely. Um, You know, and it it worked out okay, but, you know, Justin's right there and it makes it easy to take pictures of him and got some pretty good ones. And apparently Justin thought so as well. Uh, I get contacted by him uh, and said, basically, we're doing this new group, uh, Dreams Aside, you know, you want to work with us? Like, sure, that sounds like fun. So uh, we did a a promo shoot. Uh, We went down to one of the parks uh, on the... uh, the non-downtown side of the river, uh, found these really cool locations, which they had scouted, and that was great. Uh, And we got some pretty dope shots. And, you know, all of that went well. And Justin contacted me and said, hey, we're going to be doing this video shoot. Uh, Would you like to come see it? And I had just enough time. I forget there was a hard stop I had to do that day. Uh, but I had enough time to go down and uh, see some of it. And it was really cool because I don't do video work. Uh, video work is a whole nother skill set. It's something I just, I've just not done. And I think there's still a lot for me to learn working on stills. So anyway, uh, went down there, and the uh, producer has an infinity wall green screen setup built in his garage, and I got to talk with him about his process, which, of course, is fascinating because we're talking all this techie, you know, the techie, geeky stuff. Uh, Got to hear about that and also got to see how he directed So that is really difficult to do. I mean, when you're doing concert photography, it really is playing catch. Uh, The lighting is set for you. What the performers are doing is set for you. That's kind of, it is what it is. And you just find the best images. When it comes to a promo shoot or anything else like that, you have to give direction to, oh, look, who's back? Uh, You have to give direction and to listen to him talk them through the process about what he was looking for and what he was trying to acquire uh, in the video. Uh, the video work was just amazing. It was a lot of fun. And by the way, I'm blanking on the name of the song. Please don't kill me. But I tell you, it slaps. Uh, these guys are going to make it so big uh, when they uh, reveal themselves to the public. Uh, it's going to be amazing, amazing. So it was a, it was a fun experience. And I had not done it before, uh, but I got to see another side of the craft by someone else who is as passionate about his work uh, with uh, music as I am about my part of the music industry. Were you worried at all about like um, being in the way or stepping on toes with like, um, maybe not now that I'm, as I'm gurgitating this bullshit. I suppose if they already have ideal lighting, right. like there's nothing your camera is going to do to fuck anything up. 
Right. So your only priority is just literally not getting in the shot. Yep. As far as logistically, right? Yep. But what about like you see an opportunity to get somewhere? Were you ever? Was there any anxiety of like being no. in the way or irritating people? Yeah. No. Because you were brought there for a purpose. Uh, I was brought there basically to to give me the experience and to let me see it. Uh, which was a lot of fun, and it was fun hanging out with the guys. Uh, I think that Justin was is such a generous and kind human dude. Yeah, absolutely. I've always loved Justin Crandall. I've had so much respect for that dude going back 15 years when he was in a band called, fuck, what was it called? Uh, Frontline Massacre is what it was called. And from day one, I just remember like loving Justin's uh, approach to the business. Yeah. Yeah, Justin, Justin's the man. Great guy. He's a gem. So I, I got to go there and see this, and that was really my purpose. Just, hey, we're going to go do this. Do you want to come hang out and you know, uh, maybe take some pictures? And it's like, sure. I uh, can go absolutely do that. And that was the director's, the producer, director, videographer's world, and I wasn't going to... Uh, you know, now if I saw something completely and totally obvious that was completely and totally being missed, maybe. But this guy was a pro. Uh, he was wonderful. He was great at coaching and getting what he wanted out of the performers and making them look like complete badasses. So, uh, yeah, no, I just got to sit back and enjoy watching the process. Some people talk about sausage making and like you really don't want to watch that happen. I like watching the sausage getting made. <laughs> you mentioned that earlier too, and in, in that, you know, I'm not going to tell those people they're wrong or they're not right for the business because that's just not accurate. But like, I feel if you have the mindset like I did playing baseball. So I remember talking to my mom and like, fourth or fifth grade like i enjoyed going to practice i enjoyed the drills it was part of it right, right. like like i'm the only person i know in the music industry that loves every part of the music industry, including mm -hmm. the miserable parts because that's part of it right? right so it's like i feel like the best way i can describe this without ranting for 45 minutes is um <laughs> there's a scene there's a scene about comedians or there's a show about comedians on hbo called crashing and there's a scene in there where it reflects in real time. And he's like, God, guys, like, isn't this cool? Like, we're like really doing it. You know, we're out here bussing or busking, I think they call it. Right. Um, or barking, I think is what they call it in the com comedy industry. Yeah, because busking is busking like is is when you play your... for money. Right. Like busking the venue or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, they were barking, I think. Oh, which is like trying to get people to come to the show or whatever. Yeah, Barker's. Like, yep. And that's part of the industry. That's part of the journey. And he was just like, oh, this is so cool. We're like really doing it. Mm -hmm. That's how I always feel right. in the music industry. And I, you don't have to feel. You don't. But I think that helps if right. you do. And I don't think you can make that happen either. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think you can trick yourself into enjoying it all. Right. But I think you can sort of like take at least that moment of what I said and just like at least kind of appreciate the misery. And that's mm -hmm. kind of the point, you know, the Marines say it, embrace the suck. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that it's true. Yeah. Like, cause the joy of touring is the misery, right? Like it's the bonding experience, fucking 
struggle trying to figure out how to do X, Y, and Z. Everything's bought and paid for. How come we can't get there faster and be more comfortable? You know what I mean? Like right. you, do, you lose appreciation for the struggle that got you there. Yep. It's starting to sound super pretentious. I apologize, so that's, guys. That, and that's, that's something that's a goal is uh, I have a couple, couple of just mentions of potentially going on, on tour. tour. Yeah. And getting to see what that's like without having to be the musician. <laughs> well, dude, I'd, uh, I'd love yeah. to bring you out if I ever do anything, including like a podcast road trip. Like yeah. I got a thing. You ever, ever have any desire to go back to Texas? Yeah, I go back all the time. Because I'm going to be going down there to do a round of podcasts with, I just went and scouted locations and figured out some legit, I had, I'm so stupid. I have to like literally put my boots on the ground, like my mm -hmm. own physical feet on the ground and get the lay of the land before right. I feel comfortable doing something like that. Um, plus I'm on my, I'm my own producer and you know, I'm doing the whole deal. So I had to go, I literally went to Texas to figure out like, how am I going to do a, a group of podcasts down here? Right. Got like nine out of ten things figured out. One I didn't get figured out is still pretty crucial. But uh, um, yeah, man, if you want to come down there, fuck it, because I'm going to be hanging out and doing podcasts with NFL players, ex UFC uh, guys or current UFC guy, um, ex NFL players, a uh, couple drag racers. Mm -hmm. It'll be cool, man. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. if I if the, when when not if but when the band picks back up and shit, yeah. if you ever want to come out, dude, I'd love to. Have Okay. We'll figure out a way to make sure you get compensated and get sure. taken care of and shit. Like, like I was saying earlier, you know, yeah, I'd be doing shit for free. Motherfuckers deserve to get paid for their art. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be all, fun, dude. All motherfuckers, all artistic motherfuckers deserve to get paid yeah, for their art. Yeah, all y'all motherfuckers. Because in, in the words of fucking uh, yeah. Sean Ware, because you're fucking dope, bro. And if you don't think you're fucking dope, then fuck you. <laughs> and this is, okay, you've had your share of rants. I've not had mine. Um, I was hoping with COVID, because uh, you get a lot of, you, we all had a lot of time to think. It's like, what the fuck am I going to do with my life for the next whatever, you know, that we're in the middle of all this shit. And so part of what I did is I branched out into different uh, photographic expressions because I didn't have bands. Um, but part of what I thought about is what I'm hoping happens because music has gone. Live music is gone. We don't know when it's going to be back. Yeah, because it's not back. It's not fully back. Bands my, are back, but, but shows yeah. aren't back. Like, it's not the same. It's right. not even close to the same. Yeah. My hope is that when it comes back, that people will have a renewed appreciation Doubtful. of live music yeah hold on we're gonna get there uh and they'll pay what it's fucking worth really it's like they'll pay what it's worth and as music has started back up because i do talk with a lot of different people i'm not going to name names or anything like that but i've already started hearing stories about yo man that sounds great can i get on the list yeah that's me that's well, that, literally that, me. That is you, but you do bring some value, I guess. We've talked about that. <laughs> We've talked about that. But people, people that, you know, if I come see your show for free, you can bet my camera is coming with me and you're going to get something out of the deal, right? Um, but just people that are, yo, yeah, I just want free tickets because I want free shit. It does a couple of things and neither of them are attractive. One, it brings all the boats down. So, right. and two, it shows... In case you guys didn't catch that, we're, yeah. it's a that reference to the tide. rising tide yeah. reference. And two, 
it just it just makes you look like a fucking moocher and i put a put a rant on facebook about this where that's where it was yeah because yeah. i was like that's totally me and you were like you bring actual value because you, you do value. the podcast it's like if you're bringing a value it's a that made me story. feel so much better yeah. but <laughs> if, thank you for that if it really is just you're doing a grab it shows that you don't value live music or you're certainly giving the impression that you don't pay people what they're fucking worth. This costs money to do. It, it, it's just amazing. So stop it and pay to have live music. Because otherwise, if you don't pay to have live music, then people are going to be less likely to do it. Anyway, that's my yeah. Opinion. And and I can I can actually back this up with some numbers. So a lot of people. Don't understand that bar. Yeah, go for it. You got to piss. Um, you can either go upstairs and use the real bathroom, or you can piss in that sink, uh, the laundry tub. Um, but a lot of people don't understand that bars and venues run on like razor. Oh, I should talk to the camera, shouldn't I? They run on razor thin margins, so the money they make on alcohol barely overcomes the taxes and insurances and all that other crazy shit that goes with running a music venue so a lot of people think you should be able to just go to the show for free because the bar's making all this money on booze well yes and no um the bar is making money on booze but that's what keeps the bar literally profitable is bands like you showing up and bringing a tangible crowd preferably several hundred people. So there's enough people in that room to buy enough alcohol to keep them profitable so they can, so they can stay afloat. That's the only reason they even want live music. That's the only reason any of these fucking venues ever even start doing live music is hopefully the investment they make on lights and stage and sound equipment and a sound guy and that's a salary or at least a fucking commissioned spot where each night they got to pay this dude x amount of dollars it's a literal requirement that you bring in more liquor sales than that night costs them to put on this sounds again super common sense and obvious but i think a lot of people don't understand this and they want to get into the show for free they don't realize that sometimes literally the only way that band get, most of the time the only way that band gets paid at all is through those cover charges. And the smaller that cover charge, the farther it's got to go, because there's usually three or four bands on any good Minneapolis show. Right. I don't know how they do it in other towns, but you you, you could pay. I mean, back in the day, man, shows were, and this is, this the numbers haven't gone up that much, but they were five bucks, maybe six bucks, and then all of a sudden they were seven or eight, and they were 10 or 12, and now they're still basically that same number. Here we are 10, 15 years later. They really yeah. haven't gone up. So, but I also understand it from their perspective because I've also been the broke musician, struggling young 20-year-old who like, yeah, I want to go out and drop 40 bucks at the bar and party and hang out with you guys and do all that shit, but if I did that for every single band, I have to suddenly come up with another $40, $50 just for cover charges just to go see all of you every week. And then you combine that with the extra money I'm going to spend at the bar 
Because again, if I don't spend that money at the bar, then the then the bar doesn't make enough money. They don't. Then it right. doesn't matter how many b- people you bring through the door because the bar doesn't make any money. Yep. That's why all ages shows and all ages venues never last. Yep. Because you can only sell water, and unless you're selling eight dollar waters, which no one can. Aff- you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. It's 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 this fucking weird, like fucked scenario where i totally get it from the consumer's perspective where it's like dude i can't afford to go to all your fucking shows i want to support all of you mm-hmm. but then i also agree with you 100 percent that every one of these bands needs to get paid because if they never make any money this is why bands most of us break up right because it starts costing more money than it's worth we have a kid now we have to make a choice we get married now we have to make a choice you know oh uh, I remember Jeremy, shout out to Jeremy, he's in chat now. Um, I remember him saying something when we were in a band together in our mid to late 20s, and he goes, you know, being a struggling musician is like cool and kind of sexy until you hit 30, and then it's just pathetic. (laughs) There's some legit wisdom in that statement, but there's an equal amount of falsehood in that statement because... That's our fault for even creating an industry that has devalued our craft so much to the point where we're going to do all these shows for basically free. Right. Dude, really? Like, that's what... That, and that's really, like, the theme I've been trying to roll with lately because I feel like I came off the wrong way a, lot, a long time on the podcast. Talking about all these motivations. Really just, like, understanding our values. And then once we can kind of get down to your motivations and why, then we can start to help each other and go, okay, well, here's how you can get better. I'm passing along Ian Greg Chilton and Joey Moya, John Wheeler. Um, we all pass on advice to each other. Um, you know, Joey will call me and be like, hey, man, your noise gate was a little hot. You know, every once in a while when you, just me, he'll, he'll be like, dude, you backed off the mic and all of a sudden your noise gate kicked in and like, your shit's too tight. Yeah. You got to loosen that up. Um, John Wheeler will hit me up and be like, hey, man, I watched the podcast and like your fucking camera started shaking loose. And by the end of the podcast, you gave yourself a haircut tight, <laughs> tight. You know what I mean? Just dumb shit you like that. really short. Yeah. Or I'll hit up Greg and I'll hit up Greg and be like, hey, you should do this with your cams or fucking check this out with your flyer or whatever. That's. That's kind of the point I'm getting at is like. Joey knows I want to make this podcast good. John knows I want to make this podcast good. They know I want to make it profitable. So they're giving me advice to help me make it profitable. Yep. See what I'm getting at yep. here? No, exactly. So we just got to start like being honest with ourselves why we're doing it, valuing our own art. And I feel like you're already mm-hmm. doing that. And I feel like even though you're not a musician, you're part of our scene, you're part of our industry, and your journey can be learned from as a musician. And that's why I was really excited to have you on and- tonight sure sure no fucking i feel like we've done a great job on time i mean shit dude we're already two hours in wow and we're just kind of wrapping up the getting to know you yeah yeah you know pretty cool yeah um one i i I do get that we all you know i shot i shot a lot of free shows when i started and part of it was getting a name out there getting getting a following uh building you know i remember i started to instagram what maybe two years ago I'm now close to 3,000 followers, uh, and I worked hard for those. Um, but yeah, it's we got to pay our dues. But it's 
having that foresight and having that sense of self-worth. Let's talk about that real that quick. Out. Yeah. Let's talk about that, that journey sure. to 3000 followers on Instagram, because huh? I don't, Greg and I talk about this a lot and, uh, me and Wheeler talk about this a lot and Moya and I talk about this a lot. Uh huh. And I mentioned this to you before the podcast. Right. I don't think people respect the sub count and how hard it is to get. Mm-hmm. Because like when I started tallying up all the subscribers I have on all the platforms, I have well over a thousand subs. Right. Well over a thousand subs. And growing quite quickly. But if you only look at the YouTube, I've been stuck at 290 for two weeks. If you only look at my Instagram, I, I don't even think I have 200 followers. If you only look at my Facebook, I think I'm less than 200. Uh-huh. It's kind of pathetic. It is extremely hard to earn a follow or yep. to earn a sub. What has that been like on Instagram? Because you said you started it two years ago and now uh-huh. you're at 3,000 followers. Yes. Which, you know, when we think about success, it ain't shit. It's true. It ain't shit. But it's extremely, just like being in a local band, it's extremely fucking hard to still get to, <laughs> bitch. And there's a lot of you, including me, who don't have 3,000 followers on any single platform. So right. fucking, wow. Like, uh-huh. you know, and I don't mean to make a bigger deal out of it than it is, but let's uh-huh. talk about that for a second. Because, sure. like, what the fuck is that journey like? Was it easy? Was it, was it steady? Did you, like, struggle and have nothing, 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 and then hit a big boost? How did, I, how did uh, that happen for you on Instagram specifically? I started getting them, you know, purely organically uh, and, you know, kind of at a trickle like everybody does. And then, well, what does that mean? Um, maybe like one a day. Yeah. Maybe gaining five a week. Okay. Right. And, you know, I'd post pictures and post pictures and try to play the hashtag game and, and get all of that right. And then, yeah, so all the things that you're supposed to do, figuring out when to put stuff online uh, so it gets the most views, so on and so forth. And I know. I rolled my eyes. The viewer, the the listeners can't see. I rolled my eyes and literally almost like, like, I don't know how to describe it to the listeners that aren't watching on video, like under the head, like, oh, kill me now. Like, oh, yeah, because it it's and I tell you, you talk about that's the part of marketing that is not fun. Uh, figuring out Instagram and how to optimize it. And yeah, that's not fun. And then uh, I worked with someone, uh, Malcolm Messer, uh, who runs Here for Life and is responsible for... What is Here for Life? Here for Life, it's a a suicide awareness uh, Mm. organization. There are bands that are signed up, like Corsair um, is one of the big ones that... Oh, so they do like yeah, events they do shows and fundraisers and, it's essential, and Yeah, exactly. That's dope as fuck. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Malcolm gave me some suggestions for what to do. And so what I ended up doing is, let's say I'm putting Corsair out, right? So I'm doing Corsair on Monday. That's a band if anyone's confused what the fuck he's talking about. That is a three-piece pirate adventure metal. Very, very good. You got photos of them already? Uh, Yep. And where can people find those photos? Oh, they can find those on www.bilphoto.com, and it's in the link. Uh, Listen to to those seamless transitions. (laughs) These seamless fucking just perfectly timed plugs. Damn, we're getting good at this, bud. Yeah, yeah. So Corsair, I've done a lot of shows, so there's a lot of my work, and they 
they give you a good example of where my art has gone because it was very impressionistic at first and then it's gotten okay. different over the years. Again, but anyway, what does that mean? Impressionistic. Uh, that's where... That's a form of art. I, I'm dating... I, I'm right. dating. I, I'm married to an art major, so I know about this, but for people yeah. that don't know, what does impressionistic okay. art mean? Essentially, what I'm doing is I'm taking the image as a starting point and then I'm manipulating color and manipulating backgrounds and such as that to make the image my own. That was what I did earlier in my career. I've moved more towards the hyper-realistic look now. So, But you can see that uh, if you look at all the Corsair shoots. There's probably six or seven of them. And they can find those on your website at bilphoto.com, which the link is in the description, absolutely, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. Fucking seamless, bro. So, uh, yep. So I would put Corsair's photos up on Monday. So I'd share three or four of them, posting them every hour. And then what I would start doing, essentially, is rating Corsair's follower list. Keep going. I got, so, I got yeah. a note from Greg. I'm going to try to fix this on the fly. Okay. Thank you, Greg. So I, I would raid their follower list. So I would go through and I would invite people to like my stuff. I would basically follow them. And so they'd go, oh, look, I have this. And then they'd come over, look at my page, see Corsair and go, oh, this is cool. And I basically do that for every band that, uh, every ba- uh, every local band. So How's that? Is that better, Greg? Seriously, I'm not I'm not mocking you. I switched it up. So let me know if that's better. Yeah, so that's essentially what I do. Uh and I'll go through, you know, kind of pl- way ebbs and flows of that. Uh and then you have to go back and call because not everybody wants to follow your stuff. And then if they're not following me and I'm not seeing their stuff and I'm not interested in their stuff, then I'll back off of them. So I'll go through and clean up So you up post who a I'm photo, following. and then do you try to push people to your website to see more? Uh, I do try to do that. That works in fits and starts. But that does it. Does that actually like get you more to to stay with the journey of Instagram? Does that help you get more followers? Like, are you planting a seed to get them to go look at your library and then go, yeah, this is a guy I want to follow on yes. on Instagram. Yep. And it works reasonably well. I can tell you that the photos that come up, uh, good, um, an average kind of uh, response rate is probably 40 to 60 per picture. So still not the best, but it's pretty. it's been pretty steady there. That's the crazy thing about Instagram, dude, yeah. is like I got 200 followers, and if I post something in my fucking story mm-hmm. or – a post yeah i can get 20 to 30 likes yeah but, that's pretty impressive but some motherfuckers have 5000 followers or 15000 followers i'm not going to drop names but there's a comedian coming on the podcast soon mm-hmm. he's done some really big shit with some high level serious top top of the top like names you would definitely when he yeah. comes on and he drops the names people are going to be like oh shit yeah and they're going to go and he's really good Mm-hmm. Is well over fifteen thousand followers. Still, like an incredibly small amount, right? Right. But it's funny because this is what I was kind of getting at, right? Yeah. This is like an abstract thought. I don't even know if I can explain this right. But like, he's. I'll, I'm still. I'm not going to drop his name, but he is coming on the podcast. But like, he's he's worked with Bill Burr. Uh huh. He's literally been featured on huge 
Comedy Central shit. He's he's literally open for Joe Rogan and Joe Diaz and uh, Bill Burr and right. Uh, I don't think he's open for Chappelle or anything. But I mean, the, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Only other truly elite comics open for Chappelle. You know what I mean? It's like not yeah. fair. But even he only has fifteen thousand subs. But then when he posts something. Sometimes I look at his shit and he's only got 40 likes. Right. Instagram's kind of like YouTube in a way, right? It's kind it of is, a fickle bitch. It's weird. Yeah. Because then you look at a guy like Rogan, and I don't know how many followers he has, but he'll have a million to 3,000 views or likes. Yeah. It's kind of a fickle bitch. Yeah. And it's, and it's tough to go. You can't go just by followers. Uh, I, have, I have gone... And my data mind basically is what it's doing. Thanks, Greg. Uh, gone and mined through some people's uh, follower list, and I find all these names in Russian, and I'm like, like hundreds and hundreds of names in Russian or Greek. And I'm like, did you buy these? Uh, why are there so many? There's one guy who I think is just. Oh, a, you're talking about other people's profiles. Other people's, yeah. yeah. Uh, or you get lots of Ashley, and not not offensive to anyone named Ashley. Just thinking of the uh, girls you see in seductive poses that have no post, but they have fifteen thousand. Oh, 000 yeah, followers. you're talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, so those you see a lot of those. I got one that follows me. Yeah. Her name's Katya Reichel. Oh yeah. Uh, she posts shit. Oh okay. Like she's got a comment on one of my YouTube things or something. Yeah. Fucking gorgeous. Don't think it's a real person. Right. Like, uh, the photos are there, mm -hmm. but, like, something ain't right about that. Yeah. It seems like either a bot or a Russian spy. Yeah. I got you, Russian subscribers. Yeah. Usually when it comes to the ones that haven't published anything, when I do the call, if they haven't posted at least 20 things. Got you, Reichel, if you're a real girl. They get deleted. I apologize, but I don't think you are. I think you're a bot. <laughs> you're a gorgeous bot. You got a great fake profile, but I'm pretty sure you ain't a real human being. <laughs> so, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. So it's... Um, or you get the random African dude. Yes. Where it's like, it, this is possible. Mm -hmm. Totally possible. Yeah. My, my old band, The Tyrants, a rock band on Facebook, uh, -huh. uh, there was a period of time where we literally blew up in like some, I'm just going to say Kenya, but it wasn't Kenya, uh -huh. but it was some random African country. Mm -hmm. Where there was a period of time where we like got, I think it was like five thousand like followers on Facebook wow. from this one region of Africa. Like uh -huh. like our music got really popular in this one. It's a random rock band, right? Yeah. With three songs on the internet, and slowly but surely, those followers and people and it and it happened like we never had more than like 700 at a time uh -huh. but you would watch it go up and down and constantly it was people adding us from this area it was the weirdest thing huh. and i wasn't the only one that noticed it yeah. facebook was giving out demographic information it was like you guys are trending in some fucking weird botswana. ass yeah, yeah 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 it was like and i you know actually might have been botswana right. but it was like yeah you guys are trending in this country cuz yeah. there's nobody doing anything and somehow they typed in American rock music and somehow got our fucking weird ass band. <laughs> yeah. There's another guy like that. Have you heard of this guy? Um, he 
is the biggest artist in African history. He's an uh-huh. American guy. Put out one record in like the 70s or the 80s. Somehow, some way, a record label does what any major corporation does during charity events and like mm-hmm. donate X amount and we're going to... And they just dumped like 10,000 of his CDs in Africa. Yeah. But that shit hit the radio in Africa and dude blew up. No one <laughs> knew about it. No one ever knew about it. Uh-huh. There's a documentary about this guy. So then, and people thought he had died, uh-huh. right? And somebody else from some other country found out about this music artist in Africa. The entire mm-hmm. continent, by the way. Right. Any, any country in Africa that had radio, he was like the biggest star in. Wow. So somebody, some investigative journalist, decided to like figure out what happened to this guy because no one knew who he was. Uh-huh. He wasn't a star anywhere ever. It's literally like me and you mm-hmm. and Jeremy Blake and Greg Chilton started a local band here uh-huh. in Minneapolis. Greg's singing, I'm playing drums, you're on bass, and Jeremy's playing guitar. Uh-huh. We record an album, and for some fucking reason... We printed like 30,000 CDs. I don't know why, but we did. (laughs) We sold 30 of them like any Uh local band does. Right. Maybe 300 if you're lucky. Yeah. And then (laughs) they all went to some place in Africa. That's basically what happened, right? So no one knew who this guy was or this artist or this band or whatever. So this investigative journalist starts trying to find, and they find out he's alive. Uh Uh-huh. He's like, and I'm just going to make up his job because I can't remember it. It was a long time ago I watched this documentary. But he's like carpenter or a fucking farmer or a, a drywaller. Mm-hmm. Like some random fucking, not in a band anymore. Right. Doesn't do it. Completely just, it was like, no, I did that when I was in like high school or college or whatever the fuck. <laughs> wow. So they go do you want to do a concert? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I mean, I guess so. Sure. Sure. Why not? And, but he didn't remember any of the songs. Uh, huh. so they gave him his own record <laughs> and he literally <laughs> learned it all and played to a fucking sold out crowd. And, and again, I might be punching these numbers up, but I might be punching these numbers down, bro. It was like a sold out crowd of like a hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever heard of this story? No, no. Now I'm Jamie's, curious. Jamie's. Yeah. So all the listeners and viewers, they're pseudo producers, right? Because we don't have a producer. They're not just fans. They're not just viewers. They're not just listeners. They're part uh-huh. of the show. They're, they're our producers, right. right? Like Joe Rogan has Jamie. So that's the whole shtick is, Jamie's, pull that up. See if any of you can sleuth out the story I just described. I believe I watched a documentary. Maybe I just read an article and then somebody made a YouTube video about it that I seen later. But I swear there's an entire documentary. Probably, I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw it on Netflix. But see if you can find that out. Uh, random American dude um, blew up in Africa, ended up some investigative journey. See if you guys can find that because it's a fascinating story, man. Yeah. It's a really fucking wild story. And see, Ritual Madness, that's one of the people that likes my stuff a lot. Yeah, that's on- Greg Chilton. Yeah. Oh, duh. Okay. Uh, yeah. You we like were talking my, about him earlier. Like stuff a lot. Yes. Yeah. We were talking about him and Jeremy earlier, where yeah. it was like yeah. they were both obby photographers, but uh-huh. immediately yeah. from day one, 
you could see they had a natural eye and a natural talent for it that I knew from day one yeah. of taking that photography to go back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. When I took that photography class, I knew right away. I was like, oh, I'm not going to be good at this unless I literally dedicate my life to this. Right. And I, nope, I'm out. And it was no disrespect to photography. It was no dis. It was the opposite. It was right. I cannot do this. I'm not going to contribute anything to this art unless I give it the respect and time it deserves. You hear this a lot on Rogan uh -huh. when you hear musicians come on and hang out with him, and he's like, "Dude, you're super funny. You should come up on stage." And they're like, "I'm not doing that." And why? Oh, you're super funny. And he's like, "I don't have the time to donate." To that craft right to respect the art that you and other artists are trying to do especially in a medium where time is valued 15 uh -huh. minutes can make or break someone's career why should john mayer go up on stage who hasn't earned 15 minutes mm -hmm. when another comic who does deserve that 15 minutes could make their career on that 15 minutes john yep. mayer's like i don't have the time to honor that career and the time you guys give to it Mm -hmm. To pay it the respect it's due. Right. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt. This is not just. Right. And then, then let me spend eight hours the next day processing through them. Right. Yeah. And Which then, is fun. And I mean, then back I'm, in the day, the way I learned was in oh school God, where yeah. it was like, no, 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 no. Then you take that film and you go into the fucking black room. Yep. Yep. And you need to learn how to expose this properly. Uh -huh. And you can change that depending on the artistic vision you're going for. So right. properly is a relative term. And I was like, mm -hmm. I don't have time to do this. I was like, this is immediately one of those moments where it was like, okay, I know I need to understand this because I'm in music. Mm -hmm. I seen everything they showed me and I could tell the difference between good and bad. And then I immediately went, this is not something I'm going to do. My right. I'm going to just hire an expert. But now I know what an expert knows. Yep. Now, I don't know what they know, but I know what they should know. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I can suss out the bullshit on Instagram or Facebook or I think back in the day it was MySpace. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, we ain't fucking with this. Right, right. Because that's some bullshit photography. And then when I seen somebody with talent, we talked about this before the podcast, we had a kind of little five-minute business meeting yep. on some shit I used to do back in the day with photographers and some things you do nowadays with musicians. and mm -hmm. um, Very enlightening, by the way, because we were talking about the same thing from two totally different perspectives. It was kind of mind-blowing, but um, yeah, it was one of those deals where it was like, okay, no, these guys know what they're doing, and now I can suss out the difference between somebody who's worth investing in Somebody who's just going to overcharge me for something my wife could take yeah. nowadays. And that started way back then. Yeah, I just encourage everyone to just stop. You know, I even asked Greg. Greg was so good right away. I was like, bro, would you ever fucking do a photo shoot with me? This was like fucking four years ago now. Uh -huh. The first time I started the podcast and I needed some photos done. Like what you did for me, the uh -huh. ones yeah, I use yeah. now. I actually, Greg's live shit was so dope. I was like, bro, is there any doing like a real photo shoot like with me? Uh -huh. Like just like white screen, black screen, green screen, whatever. Um, never ended up working out, but um, through no fault of Greg, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. Not at all, but uh, I just encourage people to start doing that. Like really just take that 
fucking whatever it is. You know, you might be able to get away with timing it up where you're already there for somebody else and right. you can get kind of a fucking I'm already here deal, so to speak. Uh-huh. Um, maybe it's, hey, you know, I want to just hire you for three hours and we show up in front of a black curtain and you or white curtain just take a bunch of pics that way. Mm-hmm. I just highly inv- advise people to invest yeah. in that. I think it's such a smart, it just makes you look so much better and more professional yep. and not professional in a way where it's like you're selling out professional in a way where it's like, it looks like you're actually investing in yourself. Right. Like you want other people to invest in you, whether it's a subscription, whether it's a, a stream on, on iTunes or Spotify, uh-huh. yep. whether it's a whatever, right. That's what you're asking for. They're investing something in you, whether it's time or money or energy or bandwidth or mm-hmm. follower, whatever, follower list, whatever. Yeah, Make it look yeah. like you're doing the same thing. Yeah. Make it look like you're doing for your own art what you're asking other people to do. Right. Invest your own time. Invest your own money. Invest your own fucking energy. Please. I'm just begging people, man, because right. it just makes us look better as a town, too. It, it makes our industry locally look stronger. Yeah. And by the way, promo shoots rarely last more than an hour and a half, and I charge a flat rate. So hit them up. So. And where can people contact you? www.bil.com. You can even look at my merch. See this? See this shirt? See his shirt? Say something for the camera. No, I'm never going to tell Don't fucking tell me what to do, bud. <laughs> and hey, let's see. Can we get this? Whoa. Oh, the back Hold of on. it? The back. the back of it? Hold on. I'll just switch to the main cam, dude. Oh. Yeah, okay. now turn it on. Catching badassery. By oh. the way, that logo was done by Hellborn Designs. Uh, Taylor Sturgeon, who is the lead, gu- lead guitarist and singer for All Four Inches. So there's a whole connection there. Nice. But yeah. You Shout like. out to those bitches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <just> so <laughs> if if you uh, if you like the merch, uh, I had a lot of people said once I had them printed up. Oh, oh, wow! I want one of those. Well, if you go to www.bilphoto.com and you look up on the top list, you'll see merch, and it will take you to the merch store, and you can buy these shirts. You can have them bronzed. You can wear them to Rockfest. That would be pretty cool to see lots of them. You at should Rockfest. print up some white ones with the black lettering, invert it, and yep. then have Greg Chilton tie dye them. Have some custom limited runs of because uh-huh. Greg can tie dye some shit. Yeah, I've talked to him a few times about. I got it because I don't have the same capital that a lot of you fucks are working with. Um. So I got to figure out how I'm going to pull it off because between my custom printing and then the 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 labor and again same thing we've been talking about the value that Greg deserves for his yeah. time and energy and materials and all that kind of shit it's like I don't think I have a strong enough maybe I'm wrong tell me if I'm wrong but I don't know if I can be charging 30 40 dollars for a shirt you know what I mean mm-hmm. but you could print up a bunch more yeah and they're actually available in reversed, so in some colors also, because you Perfect. notice his is blue, and there's some is purple it? ones. Oh, yeah. my God, I'm fucking colorblind. Yeah. And on camera, I can't tell because I got the purple lighting on my back, so... Right, but yeah, no, it's, it's a different. navy Your blue. hair's tinted purple in the... Yeah, look, and it's not for real. You look gorgeous. Oh, oh thank you. My hairdresser thanks you. Suds Salon, S-U-D-Z, Salon. 
Dude, Scott, he's phenomenal. Uh, uh, Greg Chilton requests a 4X of one of your T-shirts. Okay. You got a 4X? Uh, I'm fairly sure because I picked the Gildan. If you hook him up with one, he'll wear it on his podcast, I okay. promise. I know Greg. He'll, yeah. He's that kind of guy. Yeah, no, I picked Gildan specifically because, yeah, they make sizes up to 5X. Greg will so. wear Hook him up. Greg will wear it on his podcast. Right. Okay. I bet we can make that happen. I hope and, Greg's and, not offended yeah. for me speaking on his behalf, but I, I, I think get, Greg's a pretty high character dude, and yeah. if you hooked him up with a T, I think he'd, I don't think he'd feel obligated. He'd, uh, I think honored would be the better word that he would love to wear it yeah. on his own podcast. Greg, if I'm speaking illy or improperly on your behalf, please uh, correct me in the comments. But I'm pretty sure he'd. Wear it. Yeah. And yeah, Dave Rubin. If not, worst case scenario, he'll wear it in public where oh, okay. thousands of people recognize him and see him on a daily sure, basis. Sure. <laughs> you uh, know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, that dude is like, that dude is definitely the guy you want to give a free t-shirt to because that motherfucker, sure. everybody knows him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Me? There yeah. we go. He'll wear it to bed every night. That's, so No so, one's going to see it when you're naked, bro. <laughs> well, it'll be on his OnlyFans. He's going to wear it and then no bottoms. He's going to wear your t-shirt and no bottoms to bed hey, every night. Uh, it's all good. I don't know why, but that that's yeah. that's an erotic image in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Dave Rubin is remarkable. The man is astounding. One of the uh, other photographers in town. And oh, like, yeah, we're reading comments. Just in case anybody's yeah. confused why we're bouncing around, we're seeing random shit. Uh, for the listeners that are new to the podcast, um, regular listeners are kind of right. used to this. In the third hour, we start really diving back into the comments. We'll give shout-outs and um, that kind of shit throughout the podcast. But um, And Greg and I talk about this a lot. It's almost yeah. impossible to give them the attention they deserve right. and you the respect you deserve. So I've kind of chosen to ignore the comments for the right. first two hours. I'll pay attention to who jumps in, give a shout out, things like that, because I yeah. appreciate their time um, spending spending their energy with us. Um, but I really want to like show yeah, you guys yeah, yeah, yeah. the grace of 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 mm -hmm. coming down here. Um, but in the third hour, for the listeners that are new to the podcast. It jumps around randomly because we're literally starting to read comments and just randomly respond to them. Um, so my request to me and you uh -huh. is we need to do a better job of literally reading those comments out loud. Sure. So the listeners understand the context of what the fuck we're talking about. Got so, it, got it. Uh, Greg Chilton is one of my podcasting brothers here locally in Minneapolis. Uh, locally here, we call him the Podfather. He has done a few different things, including... His own podcast, Ritual Madness Podcast, which is a featured channel. If you guys are following me on Instagram, just go to my link tree and you will see. Don't ignore that. Um, you'll see uh, <laughs> at the bottom, at the very bottom of my own link tree on Instagram, scroll to the bottom. I have a, a thing called Holler at the Boys or whatever, or Da Boys or whatever the fuck I called it. I don't know. I'm an idiot. But uh, <laughs> you can subscribe to Greg's podcast from there. If you're watching on YouTube, or whatever, he's a feature channeled on my shit. He's right at the top now, so just go to my channel right at the top. He's one of the four featured, five featured channels, something like that, um, and you can subscribe there. Uh, he does tie-dyes, and last time I had him on the podcast, if you guys are interested in his backstory, um, you can search Greg Chilton on my own channel, and the most recent one, um, we got a little bit more into it, but we even touched on it on his first episode, uh -huh. and uh, he's really been impressing all of us with his tie-dyes, and it's funny because when I talk to him, he's like, listen, 
because everyone's like, oh, my God, you're so good. Like, it reminds me of some other conversations he had and he and, or we've had on the podcast. And, and he is the one who is like, no, listen, man, like the guys I'm fucking learning from are on YouTube and I'm doing and this is his words. I don't agree with this. He's saying I'm doing some basic bitch shit. The guys I'm learning from are on another level. Uh-huh. Right. So everyone here is super impressed, but he's saying like he he ain't doing much right now, but all of us are super impressed. So point being is like he already sees the next level he's trying to get to. So whatever you think of him now, whether you think he's good or you think he's great or whatever, um, he already knows what level he can get to, and it's only a matter of time before he gets before he to does. that because sure. he is doing some really fucking wild, cool shit with his tie-dyes. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it'd be really fucking cool because uh, some other some other people have already started to collab with him and, uh-huh. and do that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. shit. So um, yeah, and uh, there's some other uh, names being dropped in in chat. Some some great photographers who, who I'd love to have on the podcast. Uh, Dave Rubin, mm-hmm. um, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Rubin. Yeah. Um, he's fucking great. Uh, mm-hmm. Rick Fisher, also mm-hmm. great. Yep. Um, open invite if you guys want to come on the podcast. Gary Ussery is another one who's up in the Fargo area. Who's really, really good. Ooh. Gary Ussery. U-S-S-E-R-Y. Yeah. Sounds German. All right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. As a Jew, I recognize German names. <laughs> so, and actually, Shout out to Jeff Reese. Yeah, my picture, by the way, my background picture that's on my Facebook profile, Greg took. And I oh, no it. shit. Yeah, I love it. And so have over 100 other people. So, yeah, I never get pictures of me doing, you know, taking pictures. And I'm sitting L- that's on That's what stage. we were talking about earlier is like, yeah. like, like in Hollywood, it's a regular thing where you'll have uh-huh. pictures of people taking pictures. Right. right. So like it's very you're, ta- you're taking pictures of the of the actual uh, uh, cameraman or, or whatever you want to call him. Uh-huh videographer right but then there's another guy who will be taking a picture of you taking a picture of him right who's filming the actor you see yeah. that in hollywood all the time that's going back to the dreams aside thing you kind of yeah yeah i i just think this is cool man because it's like we're finally starting to get our shit together as a town uh-huh and i think tech has helped us a little bit too because you don't have to. right right you don't have to go to la we got the tech here now mm-hmm Cool, man. Fucking real cool. Though I'm okay with going to L.A. I like L.A. I fucking hate L.A. The desert. It's not <laughs> supposed to be there. Well, yeah, there is that. But, They've you know. murdered entire ecosystems, funneling water down to that shithole of a fucking town. Ugh. But get on the 405 at 2 o'clock in the morning when, you know, it's not a complete parking lot in a convertible, and it's actually pretty nice. I get it. I get it. I uh, sound like a hater. You know, I just, I'm sorry. I got to admit it. I just can't wait until the fault line just takes the whole thing into the ocean. And I think the country will be better off. No. No. I do. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I, I just do. I think the, I think the economy will be better. <laughs> I think, uh, democracy will be better. <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> the natural ecosystem of the mountains will be better when mm-hmm. we're not fucking literally murdering rivers 10 years at a time to fucking help you with your fake lawn in LA you fucking dicks (laughs) 
Seriously, if yeah. anybody doesn't know what I'm passively stabbing at, just look up the L.A. water crisis and what has happened over the last hundred years since that town became a thing, mm-hmm. and it's disgusting. What America has sacrificed ecologically for that fucking bullshit city, <laughs> it's... I don't give a fuck how many fucking bands or movies come out of that town. It ain't worth it, man. Seriously, rivers, yeah. streams, like... I ain't no fucking left-wing fucking hippie, but I do appreciate... You never would have figured that out. But I do appreciate <laughs> that shit, dude. And yeah, and that's real, man. Like, well, well, like it's whole, not fucking cool what's happening. The, the whole concept and It's of, all to keep L.A. afloat, literally, because well, yeah. the money they bring in from the movies. That's mm-hmm. li- I swear to God, it sounds like a bullshit conspiracy I'm oversimplifying, but really, that's it. And we've been murdering our own fucking ecosystem for a hundred years to do it. I sound like I'm on a drunk rant, but it is just a great segue because we're wrapping up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the concept of yards to begin with, I was, you know, now don't I you must fucking, admit, don't you attack my fucking lawn, bud? Not going to attack your don't lawn. Don't you fucking? I'm, I'm just kidding, dude. Lawn. You say whatever you want, brother. Um, <laughs> you say you whatever know, you want. Looking, looking at my lawn, and you know, it looks really good, and it's lush and green, and there's no bare spots, and it took a while to do that. And I'm like, you know how much time and effort and resources have been invested to make this green? Seems wasteful. It is wasteful. If you think about it that way. But consider the broken window theory. Mm -hmm. Remember? You know the broken window theory. Uh Yeah. Yeah. When you make things look better, Mm -hmm. people treat things better. Right. So is there an intangible long-term benefit uh-huh. that benefits society more mm-hmm. than us keeping our Minnesota lawns perfect? Because I'm, is what I just argued is that is not true in L.A. Right. It's not better for long-term society what they're doing to keep their lawns looking nice and to mm-hmm. keep all those people fucking watered down there. But what we do in Minnesota where water's not an issue I think they're, yes, you're right. A hundred percent. The resources are kind of ridiculous because yeah. I'm in, I'm in your boat. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm fully on the old man train. Get off my fucking lawn. Yeah. Seriously. I'm losing my shit with my mm-hmm. neighbors because they're dumping garbage in my lawn. They'll like party till fucking 2 AM drinking and stomping all over shit. And it's like, I'm working really hard on that section because it's already dead. And you're just every ounce of work I do is killing it. Wasted effort. Sounds like a pyracantha. Uh, plot needs to go there it's a bunch of bushes that have thorns they really hurt like hell talk some more yeah podcast. yeah i don't know if they grow up here but i'm sure there's something there's something. something toxic and nasty that you can put over there brush up against my curb bitch that's right that's right <laughs> no i'm um, with you though and it yeah. is it, it does sound when we break it down and we just keep it simple yeah it's totally wasteful right yeah, but and it's a con it's not like it, it's a concept that's been there forever. It was started by the Victorians. Victorians made it fashionable to have lush green lawns because it made them superior. Really? Yeah, I know. It, I know thing. true grass like what we see nowadays. Uh-huh. I yeah. know that is truly one hundred percent GMO man-made. Yeah, I did not know. Yeah, it it came from then. There's a go on. Okay, so there's a so, show. Adam Adam ruins everything. Oh come on! Don't bring him up. All right. Well, he's, he's not accurate enough to cite, but he's. Ac- I think he's accurate enough here that okay. it gives you enough on ideas. this subject. Yeah. Fair. Okay, yeah. I'll let it slide. So I'll let I, it slide. Arbiter, it, arbiter. <laughs> I've seen it in other locations, but yeah, it's 
you know, God, hundreds of dollars of water. I spend a thousand dollars on a lawn care service, you know, having the sprinkler system installed because I didn't want to spend every hour, you know, that I wasn't at work watering my fucking yard. I'm already there. Yeah. So I'm, you, I'm literally going, I'm like, okay, so I did some math. I did some YouTubing. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier. Uh-huh. I did yeah, yeah, some yeah. YouTubing and I was like, oh my God, it's not going to cost me 10 grand. I could do this whole thing myself by digging a three inch trench yeah. with the shovels I have uh-huh. and laying my own PVC. And for a few hundred dollars, yep. the whole thing's going to cost me less than 1500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Zone it off. You build the little thing, you put it near your deal, yep. blah, 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 blah. No, I'm totally in because it's exactly yeah. what you said. Yeah. My that, time has become more valuable. That was, and, and you know the side, you know, we have that nice side yard uh, and it's zoned and all of that for the gardens. It was five grand. It's, dude, you live in such a beautiful part of town. Like like me and my wife, when we get our shit together, because we're like building a thing, mm-hmm. we're doing something really cool side of the podcast and my music shit. We're doing a whole other thing. That's where we want to be, man. Mm-hmm. That's the spot. Literally where you live, like that street, the homes, the... the. Oh. I don't want to put it out on the podcast. We don't need people blowing up your neighborhood or figuring <laughs> out where you live. But seriously, that, yeah. that's... It's so close to where I grew up. I still feel like I'm in my neighborhood where I grew up. So there's that like Belgia feeling. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a come up vibe in yep. that neighborhood. Like that is a fucking... Beautiful, gorgeous neighborhood. And yeah, it's worth five. Because mm-hmm. that's the point, right? That neighborhood's right. so nice. And shitty people who roll through that neighborhood are dumb garbage. Go down a few <laughs> more blocks. Right. And right. then they come into the old fucking north. Right down that fucking. Mm-hmm. Keep it that. Let's just stop there. We don't want to yeah. make it any more specific than that. But. I think I think in the right position, like in Minnesota, it is worth it. Yeah, it's fresh water. It goes right back into the ground. It goes right back. No, well, that's this is true. But but, it, but, it but does. as soon as we move out of Minnesota, uh-huh. you start moving into the lower Midwest where go they to, are depleting the aquifer. Go to Texas. Yeah. Go to Texas. Everyone wants this thick, lush St. Augustine grass. St. Augustine is what people have down there. Um, it dies if it even sees a little bit of shade uh you get these little bugs called chiggers we don't have those up yeah here. we do oh we do they're okay. in the beaches okay you get so, chiggers when you go to an unregulated beach in minnesota okay. yeah and okay. they chew up your legs you get welts yeah. and fucking yeah they burrow yeah, under horrible. your skin yeah well yep. they also they yeah, we get st augustine we do get chiggers in minnesota but they're only on our beaches okay well yeah picture so it must be something with the soil right? your entire yard filled with chiggers filled with chiggers that in order to enjoy this lush green yard that you have to basically what my grandfather did was he would dust his legs with sulfur. So you could the walk fuck around. out. Not kidding. Not kidding. Because if you didn't, you would get eaten alive by chiggers. So, yeah. And you have to spend all the money because Texas is not necessarily rich in water uh, to grow all that. That's fucking. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people know that there's an ocean of water under the United States called the aquifer. Mm-hmm. And that when we discovered that aquifer, that's what pulled us out of the Dust Bowl. Right. 30s. And we have almost depleted it to its entirety. Once that happens, 
we will no longer have enough fresh water to sustain the farming we need across the Midwest. And if you combine that with what LA is doing, suck that fresh water out of the mountains, because that's basically the point I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. In order to keep LA alive, when the aquifer runs out, we're going to literally have to make a choice between keeping 30 million Southern Californians alive Mm -hmm. or diverting those rivers the Midwest to grow crops, keep the other 270 million. We're going to have to make a choice. Right. And we've been procrastinating this for 40 years. <laughs> oh, no. Really? We, we, someone taking charge we are of headed a decision? For a, we are headed oh, for yeah. an economical smack bottom when it comes to our food sources. And the upper Midwest, like Minnesota and Wisconsin, are going to be able to self-sustain. Mm-hmm. The rest of the country is going to be fucked because we can raise cows up here. We can grow corn up here. We can grow wheat up here. We can grow beans and strawberries and blueberries. We can do all of that in Minnesota and Wisconsin. I already have an irrigation system. I could just plant corn in the yard. And an unlimited (laughs) supply of fresh water. Yeah. Because we get how many feet of snow every year? Mm Non-issue. Combine that with the Great Lakes. It's a non-issue. Combine that with the rivers. You get get out of the fucking. And it's a major issue right away. Mm-hmm. New York, serious issue. LA, serious issue. Fuck, man. I think people are ready for it. Yeah. I really don't. I think, I think, that's why I'm saying I can't wait. Where we started with this is that's why I hate LA. Like, just let it fall into the ocean. We can't sustain it. It's, it's a cancerous limb of our, of our country. And the longer we try to keep those 30 million people happy and looking pretty, faster we starve everyone yeah, to death but san diego is really pretty <laughs> i know man i know oh, I get it. san diego if it if it didn't cost so much uh, oh, because it's you know weather is perfect uh better than la uh la has gotten you have hot. any great pictures of la <sighs> no i don't uh what's I have the a- coolest city you have pictures of that you've like you're not even the coolest city but your favorite pictures of a cool city? Probably Bangkok. And where can people find those? On www.bilphoto.com. Damn, we're getting good at these yeah. seamless plugs. Listen, man, we're coming up real fast on three hours. Um, I'm not shutting this down. I don't want to say let's wrap it up now. Yeah. Um, but I do, before we wrap it up, before we decide to make that move, mm-hmm. I just want to thank you. I just want to tell you how much of an honor it is to have worked with you. Sure. Um, in case anybody hasn't caught on, if you're jumping in late or whatever, uh, Bill is, or Bud, Jesus Christ, Bill. Yeah, that, that dude Bud that's is, sitting over there. That, Bud is my photographer. Um, he shot all my promo photos, um, so everything I'm using on social media. Um, Bud shot that all at the beginning of the pandemic last year. And... Um, I'm extremely honored. I've seen the work you've done. Uh, I knew I knew you did good work, which is why I hit you up in the first place. But I just wanted to make sure I took a moment. Well, thank you. Because I appreciate your time and you coming. Down. I know you don't live that far. Right. I've been so, to your house, motherfucker. Yeah. You don't yeah. live that far. But um, time is time is a serious thing, man. Especially at our age, you mm-hmm. know, like like we're not young pups. When you're when you're a young child below the age of 25 you don't really understand how value you just can't comprehend how valuable your time so anytime anyone spends time in chat 
watching this fucking thing where they come down and they, again, some of you guys got to find babysitters, man. Right. Some of, some of you guys just to come do the podcast, it's a whole deal. And so thank you. I just sure. wanted, before, before we wrap up, I just wanted to make sure I, I made time to say that. Cause I, it is an honor, brother. Yeah. You're a very talented dude and it's a, an honor to work. Thank you. Here's your 20. No. <laughs> No, for real, man. Sincere. I appreciate Sincere. that. You do good work. Thank you. You do Thank very you. good work. And obviously other people know too because they've been fucking giving you lots of compliments in the chat. Uh, Greg Chilton says, uh, he, I was, I'm going to quote him. I was super honored that he used my shot. It was super cool. It's a really fun shot. I mean, and how, how is this? You know, I, I complain that I don't always get pictures taken of me, but I don't always like pictures taken of me. But this one, I look happy. I'm sitting on the stage. You know, my blonde hair is flowing. You know, my blonde hair artfully done by sudsalon.com. Uh, just, you know, make my hairdresser happy. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a great picture. It's like, yeah, I got to gotta have this one as my my pro uh my background pick so and this has been fun uh i must admit until a couple of weeks ago i had never listened to a podcast at all at all none none at all wow and you know what, uh, that's impressive we're still to this day we're popping yeah. cherries it's not the first time i've heard yeah that. well the trick is it's sort of like old radio shows that's exactly what it is yeah it, it's not a whole it's lot tomorrow different. with tom snyder yeah. That's actually literally what Joe Rogan and I are doing. Yeah. If uh, For anyone who's young and has no fucking idea what reference <laughs> I just made, literally go to YouTube, the same mm -hmm. channel you're on now probably, and look up Tomorrow. That's the name of the show. Tomorrow with Tom Snyder. And it came on at, I believe, 1 or 2 a.m., maybe as early as midnight back in the day. Mm -hmm. And it followed up The Tonight Show and The Late Show in the late night show, and the last thing on NBC's programming before it literally hits static air, yep. so actual fucking like, yep. it was called Tomorrow with Tom Snyder. Uh -huh. That is exactly what we're doing here. Yeah. Yep, yep. And the podcast I listened to Same was, thing for Joe Rogan. Yeah. It was interesting. Not an original idea. That's the point we're trying to make here. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Um. It was introducing someone who was terrified of horror movies and walking him through making him watch horror movies uh, and getting his reactions and his experience. He felt he was missing something like the Babadook or uh, what there's this really new film that I'm blanking, hereditary, movies like that uh, that had been so talked about, uh, he felt that he was missing out because he couldn't see this thing that everyone was talking about since he was so terrified. And it ended up that uh, he did pretty well. He did uh, Midsummer, uh, which I'm not sure about terrifying, but it's certainly a creepy film. And um, yeah, he started with The Exorcist, which I thought was interesting. And it, it followed his journey through... Uh, watching these films and how he tolerated it and they had special guests and things like that. So that was the first one I listened to. There's only about five or six of them. Wow. Yeah. What Have you jumped into any others? Uh, I've list, tried to listen to a couple of others. I've not found any that uh, have grabbed me yet. I tried uh, Gates, McFadden, and it just, yeah, it really didn't grab me. And I thought it would be it would be a win. It's like, 
Beverly Crusher. Of course, I'm going to love her. Yeah, not so much. Right. It was her and Will. Uh, Will Wheaton? Uh, no, no. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Will Riker. Uh, Jonathan Frakes. Um, and it didn't grab me. Yeah, that's the weird thing with podcasts, right? So, yeah. like, a lot of people start a podcast and they build on their brand that they've already established. Yeah. But, and that'll, that's a hook that'll get people to come in. But that doesn't mean that's the podcast you should be doing. Yeah. Like, my only advice I would ever give to anyone is you should be doing a podcast that you want to watch or listen to. Right. It starts and ends there. I don't care if you're Will Wheaton or you're Beverly Crusher or Captain Riker. I don't give a fuck who you are. Mm-hmm. You should do a podcast that you want to watch. Right. And Will, of course, does all of his stuff with games. Mm-hmm. And that that's his big thing. Uh, and... I've played uh, multiple games. That, uh, I think they call it tabletop. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like and board I games. played multiple games. Tabletop. That, yep. Yeah. Tabletop board games. Go. Oh, hey, Will played this one and he really liked it, and so we'd we'd play it. So yeah, that's a that's a whole new subculture. Yeah. Like young people, like really young people, like literally taking a night a week, playing tabletop board games. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of going back to that throwback idea. It's like. All hope is not lost. Right. Like there are young people who are seeing tangible benefits of these. Oh, let's put our phones away and let's mm-hmm. play Monopoly. Right. On a board, sitting around a table, yeah. like we see in the old movies. Let's not just do it digitally on our phone because we can. Right. We could sit around this same table and just play Monopoly on our phones, join a fucking local game. I'd oh, like dun, to see dun, you dun. do that with Arkham Asylum. <clears throat> Right. Which can take up the entire fucking, it would take up this entire table and then some with the expansion packs. Right. Yeah. Or some of those crazy risk games yeah. with the expansions on them or yep. D&D now. Mm-hmm. Like that's the other thing is D&D hasn't gone anywhere. Right. Hell, that was being played when I was in college. I know, right? 197 years ago. What was it like when dirt was invented? <laughs> you know, I still remember when I went Such and saw Jesus Christ, aspiring actor. <laughs> uh, shout out to Jeff Reese. Thanks for hanging out, buddy. Uh, Hereditary would be a rough first horror film it to watch. Be. It would be. Which is, you know, uh, getting into horror films, I've been looking for something that is truly terrifying. And I've, I'm not sure if I'm just so desensitized to it. You know, like I just had a conversation the about disturbing this recently. films. Yeah. So the only new horror films that okay, so the ring was pretty dope. Did you see the ring? Like the old like the ring? Yeah. I mean it was like ten, fifteen years. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, the ring was. Um, had had certainly had a couple of jump moments. The jump cut with her coming out of the screen. Sorry if anyone's not not seen the ring and I just ruined that part. But and there was it another still scares one. The fuck out of you. And it could be the same movie, but I feel like it was a different one where they like got a phone call and then like they like they yeah, there was that one where they opened the closet and the girl's like face is like it's the same. Uh, I think that's the same one. Maybe the or ring two or something. I don't know. I can't fucking remember. Because they redid Rabid, which is an old David Cronenberg film. They're both adaptations of Asian horror movies. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Insidious was dope as fuck. Yeah. I like the Insidious franchise, and The Conjuring's pretty good too because it's sort of based in realism. 
Uh-huh. Like they've built a universe now that's very fictional. Yeah, but it ba- it started it seeded with the with the Warrens, and that's pretty cool. Uh huh. Um. Oh, we're about to get a list from Jeff. Okay, now see, I've watched a Serbian film. I actually own a Serbian film. Uh, it, Martyrs. It's a house that Jack built. Uh, the house I've heard about the house that Jack built. I've not seen martyrs or the house uh the one that i've watched recently that i found just kind of a mind fuck was mother oh i watched that movie yeah it's just kind of great and compelling it it is but it is kind of wow it had like the thriller vibe to it but not a horror vibe yeah it's not a it's not a horror it was definitely on the edge of your seat though yeah it was certainly a mind fuck kind of film and antichrist which is Lars von Trier. What about, oh, I just thought of one, um, and it just slipped my mind when you brought up Mother. Oh, and Jeff, Irreversible. Uh, only really the one scene, though. It's uh, it's uh, Gaspar No, I believe, and it, Fuck, it can I get a little one. tedious. Had a good one, too. And then you brought up Mother, and it, it was, Fuck, that's, that was a great movie. Man. Yeah. That was a great movie. I want to watch it again, because it is a good film. I just watched one recently. It's on HBO uh, called uh, The Little Things. Uh huh. Hadn't seen that one. Quite good. Okay. Uh, I feel like I need to go watch it again. Yeah. Because I can't tell if I missed something mm-hmm. and they gave you a clear answer at the end. Yeah. Or if they intentionally gave you an ambiguous answer at the end. But it's either Denzel the whole time or it really is Jared Leto. Oh, oh, the House of Jack. Okay, I have seen that one. And you're right. It oh, is that's good. what it was. Uh It is fun true. Now, now I don't know why that keeps reminding me of it. The House of Jack Bell. That reminds yeah. me. Uh what about the um uh the Rob Zombie flicks? What's the fucking name of them? You know, I I cannot tell you. What's uh, the fucking name of the Rob Zombie flicks? These uh, he's done 3 now about the same family. Um Oh my god. Jamie's, come on, help me out. What's the Rob Zombie? The, he's got three of them. Uh, the first one, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen oh, that. Oh, bro. Okay. Those I'll are legit. Okay. The House of a Thousand Corpses, that whole thing. Uh-huh. He's done three of them now. Those are all legit, bro. Okay. Back me up, guys. Come on. There the was whole a... Rob Zombie trilogy is legit. And what was the other? The Last House on the Left? Now, that was all right. That was all right. A, because, which one? The old or new one? The new one. Okay. The new old one's, one's all right. The old one's pretty decent. I liked I liked the new one because there were things that they did were, that were, this is a cool way to kill somebody. Sure. You know, yeah. uh, it, it was a, a very visceral. Devil's Rejects. Oh, okay. That's what the first one's called, The Devil's Rejects. Okay. And then the second one is a House of a Thousand Corpses. House of Thousand Corpses. And I don't okay. know what the third one's called. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. But yeah, how, Last House on the Left was, it was uh, creative. And uh, nice and gritty for a film of that nature. That reminds me of another one now. Um, Cabin Fever? Flesh-eating disease? Yes, I believe I've seen that Set up like a sexy early 2000s teen flick. Uh And by the end of it, you're like, holy fuck. Uh Yeah, I think it's called Cabin Fever. I don't know if that movie would hold up. Yeah. That's the other thing, too, is like when we see these movies, they're Uh one thing, right? Right, right, right. You go watch them five, ten years ago, you're like, uh-huh. this movie's bullshit. Well, and see, that's that's the trick. I mean, Last House on the Left, the original, is still pretty good, It's but it's a product of its time. 
Uh, I remember one of the... Uh, oh, The Hills Have Eyes is exactly like that. The original yeah. is legit, and uh, so is the remake. Yeah. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes, that was a good one. Yeah. What was the... Uh, shit, there was another one I was thinking of that was that was basically... Oh, Silo, or A Hundred Days of Sodom, was considered to Oof. be like this perverse worst most objectionable <laughs> what about film? faces of death <laughs> oh god yeah i remember right. that now we've gone too far yeah we should wrap this up all right <laughs> once once faces of death is brought up it's over. true That's... it's done it's done is that like the the godwin's law of podcast i don't know but i i felt it <laughs> um, and so was hitler <laughs> you know who also drank water hitler, hitler. <laughs> but thank you for coming on dude Sure thing. It's an honor, sure man. Thing. Um, this was a ton of fun. You want to do this again? Yeah, this would be fun. Next time we can keep talking horror movies and okay. lighting and yeah. we don't have to tell your backstory now. Yeah. Talk about whatever you want next time. Okay. Do it sure. Time. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, yes, the Ro- uh, Jeff's last comment. I'm going to read this last one. Rob Zombie films are Mr. Rogers compared to movies like Irreversible and Serbian Film. All right. Yeah. Challenge accepted. That, well, that's yeah. I honestly, Jeff, I just got to say that is super steep. Like, if you, if you like wanna, that is an extreme analogy. And I'll check those movies out. But I, I don't know about Mr. Wanna, Rogers, bro. Those are some fucking sadistic films. If you want to borrow Serbian film because you can't it's not available on pay-per-view. Uh, you have to order a DVD. I have it. OK, so let's do it. Yeah. We live close enough. Um, thank you guys so much for hanging out. If you haven't already, please hit uh, like and subscribe. Uh, share the video. It's the best way to build all that shit. Mm-hmm. You guys know the deal. I got a Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Jared Singer Live. Uh, please uh, go there and join or donate whatever. You can do three bucks a month or you can do a one-time donation. All that good shit. Um, honestly, it's it's what's going to keep the podcast going because if, if gear crashes, I don't want to have to take a couple months off. You know, because I got to save up another fifteen hundo. Mm. That's that's the point of all these things. We're not paying the bills on them yet, so don't worry about all that. Just help us keep going. Join the Patreon, make a donation, whatever. Uh, go check out Bud's stuff if you're an artist or if you're a musician, whatever, um, comedian, uh, some sort of entertainer. Uh, Bud loves to do live stuff, but he does uh, studio and promo yep. work as well. So go to bilphoto.com. The link is in the description. Um, contact him for for rates. He will customize them um, if he's if he believes in what you're doing. And uh, you guys are a smaller band. He will customize those rates. Um, and if you're a big band, he'll still work with you. So, is there anything I missed, buddy? No, I think that's it. Oh, see, I said buddy like like friend, but yeah. I just said yeah, your, yeah, yeah. I just said your formal name. It's all good. You like calling me. I'll have to call your mom. It's the only person that called me buddy. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, at this point, I'm just disappointing myself. I love you guys. Thank you guys very much. Thank you, bud. I appreciate your time, buddy. Bye-bye. Yeah, let's wrap this up and uh, mute and we'll hit the outro. Thank you guys.